What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. This life was all I ever wanted. I'm not leaving. Not yet. I was hoping you'd say that. We gotta hit the streets, make some money. People like us must destroy people like him. Buckle up. Get Showtime free at Showtime.com. My brother Jack. Oh my God, we back. Let's go. All the smoke. Just getting started, baby. Just getting started. Welcome back to a special quarantine edition of All the Smoke. Jack, what's up, bro? My brother, how you doing out there, man? It's, hey, hey, oh. I'm starting to lose my mind in here, man. What you doing? <laughs> is it? Is it happening? I'm good, man. To be honest, like I said, I love it, man. I love to be able to sit and kick it with the ball. I just had all three boys last week, and although it's crazy because I'm at a point where I love having them, but by the end of the week, twins and a little man running everywhere, <laughs> I'm drained. So as soon as those motherfuckers leave on Monday, I'm like, yes. But then as yeah. soon as they leave and I go lay on my bed, I'm like, damn, where are my homies at? You know what I mean? So it's like that. So now I already miss them, but it's good, man. I, I'm, I'm happy we still being able to shoot the show. That's been a blessing. Everybody's really been fucking with what we're doing. Yeah, that's the best part. A lot of people saying we've been saving them, but just, y'all just don't know. This show is saving us, too. Man, Haven't been able yeah. to continue to do what we got to do and get this content. It's been a blessing for everybody, so let's keep this thing rocking. And I was also complimenting you on your motherfucking... Your grade on your beard is looking spectacular. I thought you had some some product in there. You said that's just natural? That's all natural, bro. I, it's, it's, 
You know what? That's why something wrong. How's my facial hair better than my actual hair on my head? It does, I don't know tough. how that works. It's tough. Appreciate that. My that's the first compliment you gave me on the show, too. Yeah, no problem, man, because my shit be fine. I, I, I low-key get jealous because I can't really grow shit. I look like a... Uh, People say I look like a dirty Mexican when I, my shit start growing in patches and thick right here. <laughs> what the dude say last night? What he, what he called my shit? Uh, he said he said he says you look like a uh, a captain, the captain of the Budapest soccer team. <laughs> <laughs> and we was on uh, Baron Davis. Happy uh, shout out Baron Davis. Happy birthday, bro. Happy we was on his live. We was on his uh, Zoom uh, party last night. He had these motherfucking comedians, bro. When I tell you. Everybody that came in the chat, they roasted, but no one had any idea what was going on. So I was one of the last motherfuckers to come on the chat, and I got like three niggas just shooting at me. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know what to do. I just got rid of my kids. I'm ready to smoke and relax. I just got these motherfuckers coming at me left uh, and right. I'm like, who the fuck are these niggas? I'm a slap one of them. It happened to all of us. It you know, happened to all of but, us. But they was on us. That shit. And Monte, remember, uh, they, they was talking about Monte's uh, edge up, and Monte, go, go play with somebody else. And find <laughs> somebody else to play with. <laughs> Else to play with. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, man, we got a special guest. Uh, oh. Someone that I fuck with a lot because I see a lot of myself in them. I see a lot of so Steven Jackson in them. Uh, I tell people our We Believe team all embodied our next guest's mentality, hunger, focus, desire, fight. Can play in any era. Right. Just a motherfucking dog. Uh, I'd like to introduce my homeboy, our homeboy. Draymond Green. Welcome to the Draymond program, Green. my brother. Welcome to the show, Man, DG. Appreciate it, fellas. I appreciate y'all having me. I've been looking forward to this for shit. Since since Matt, you first told me about the idea, I told right. you, like, yo, I'm coming on. So I've been looking forward right. to this. And yeah. obviously, as y'all spoke on times crazy now, so I appreciate this, man. We know you got we got some you got some shit to get off your chest, and this is the place to do it, my brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm bringing the smoke. Hey, first and foremost. Hey, but anyway, man, how are you and your family holding up during this time? Man, we've been good, man. It's it's honestly been uh it's been great for me, as as both of y'all know. Uh we're always on the road and you know, you, you mm -hmm. never really get to see everything that's going on at home from, you know, the way your your spouse or fiance in my uh case is holding the home down, the way the kids are interacting in the home or what they're doing. You just never really get to see as much as I've been able to. So, you know, it's been great uh, just being able to spend that time with her and, and the kids and really being here all day, every day. Uh, it's been a blessing for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of, uh, you know, equate it to just kind of getting off our hamster wheel. I see, especially uh, as a player, we were all players, but we're just always on our hamster wheel. We don't take time to smell the roses, look at the view, chill out, get to see every st step with our kid. And like I said, unfortunately, through this pandemic, you know, Jack and I have similar schedules as when we played, and, and we can all agree the worst part about playing is always having to be gone and traveling. Right. So we're always coast to coast working and shit. So I just got a chance to just, like, a, like we were talking about before, sit down, play with the twins, play with my little man, just things we can not necessarily take for granted, but we're just always on the go. We don't get a chance to enjoy, to get a chance to enjoy that. Absolutely. I, um, being able to enjoy that. And then for me, uh, you know, I, I just moved to San Francisco a few months ago. Like I was telling someone, I never even realized how beautiful this city was. You know, we always, man, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I wake up, I, I'm driving to the gym. And so it's always about like getting up and, 
getting to the gym. Like, how can I get around traffic? I'm going to take this street as opposed to that one just so I can get there faster. It's like we always run in that rat race and never really just take time to sit back and look. So, uh, you know, from from that uh, aspect and then just being home with my family and actually being able to raise your kids the way you want to yeah. and, like, see everything, man, it's it's been cool. Uh, obviously, under these, you didn't want it to happen under these circumstances, but... You know, everything happened for a reason. And, you know, there's been a blessing in disguise just being able to spend this time. Um, luckily, before um, we went into the lockdown, the quarantine situation, your fiance was able to throw you a dope ass 30th birthday out here in LA. I got to pull up, a lot of other people pulled up. Uh, talk to us about being 30 now, man. Man, it's, it's dope as hell. Uh, you know, just, you know, continuing to grow um, and, into who I want to become as a man. You know, I don't think I'm there yet. I think it's a lot of room for growth, but you know, coming in the 30, that kind of that other side of things, she threw a dope ass party. Dope party. I've, been, I've been talking to a lot of people, like that was kind of our last day outside. You know? For so, real, no bullshit. Uh, yeah. You know, she because I was starting to think like forward. who was who was there from the league. I have to hear if any of these motherfuckers that was at the party got it. God damn it, because I was, you know, what I mean, because there was a lot mm-hmm. of you know, Bron was there, Boogie was there, a lot of muff, a lot of dudes, a great Martin theme. Like this shit was dope. Jack had candy to eat everywhere. If you're a cannabis smoker, they had a little area for you. Had some dope-ass performances. Like, man, this shit was live. And it was, like you said, it was right before lockdown. Yeah, it was dope, man. I enjoyed that. She did her thing on that one for sure. Man, you just you just hit me with some big words a few minutes ago. I don't know what the fuck you just said. Big I, words I, I, as far I, as what? I, you said something about, uh, I don't equate or some shit. I'm thinking, equate? I'm like, what the fuck is this nigga talking about? Equate, nigga. I've been trying to get my education during this lockdown, you dig? Man, you fucked your boy up with that. You fucked me up with that one, bro. So what has social distancing been like? Obviously, we went to a point where, actually, let me rephrase that. You guys were supposed to be the first team to play um, with no fans. And that wasn't even a regulation from the uh, league. That was from the city of San Francisco. So what were the thoughts of, uh, of your team? What were you guys talking about? I'm like, damn, like, we know how important fans are to the game to have to be the first team to play without them. What were you guys thinking during that process? Um, I mean, it was kind of a shocker at first. You know, we had a, we had a meet with, with Rick Wilson, Bob Myers, and they was kind of telling us, you know, just keeping us up to date. And they were telling us, like, yo, it's a possibility that we're going to play with no fans tomorrow. Then they called another meeting and they said, uh, like, we're 100 percent not going to not going to not going to have fans. And so we kind of went from, you know, not having fans to in, in a matter of finding out we weren't going to have fans in a matter of like eight hours to then finding out that the season was canceled. But the, our mindset going into that game, I actually had got uh, Shabazz, one of, one of my homeboys, DJ, to make a dope-ass playlist, like a dope-ass hip-hop playlist and then a dope-ass Top 40 playlist. You know what I'm saying? We got to incorporate everybody mm-hmm. into it to play during the game because it was just going to be mm-hmm. like open gym. Like you out there hooping. Oh, so y'all was going to have, try to have music playing during the game? Yeah, they would like they they told me to get oh. get the uh, playlist and submit it. So I had got the playlist and I was just finna submit it, and then I was sitting up, sitting on the couch watching TV, and shit. The season got canceled. I think Post a lot time. of people. I think a lot of people. That's when they took took it serious. I was in New York 
Jack and I were both in New York working for uh, mm-hmm. uh, doing our show. I was doing some ESPN shit. And when the NBA canceled the season, that's when it was like, oh, shit. Like, I was nervous flying. I wasn't nervous mm-hmm. flying there. But when I had to, I left that day that everything went down, that the season was canceled, I was mm-hmm. nervous like, damn, I'm on this motherfucking flight. I got kids. Like, when, the, when Adam Silver in the NBA shut it down, knowing how big of a business it is and, and, and how we lead the way in a lot of different areas, when they shut it down, I was like, oh, shit, this shit, this shit just got real. Absolutely, man. That was, that was crazy. It was kind of that first domino to fall. You know what I'm saying? Once that first domino fell, then all the dominoes started falling. But, you know, when I, when I sit back, obviously we didn't have a bunch of time to think. And you just sit back and really look like the NBA – postponed the season and it, and it feel like the whole world stopped you know it, it, and for like me I've just been looking at it from a standpoint of like how much power we have as a league how much power we have as players like to cancel to postpone our season and the whole world stop that's right like that's it, a yeah. big deal it's huge yeah that's that, 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 that's real big but to, to pivot back a little bit me knowing you I know how much you love the game like we, like, we very similar our games are very similar. Every time I hear people talk about, like Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr talk about championship teams, they always mention my name and your name. You have to, you got to have a guy like that. Me knowing that you want to win, not having Steph, not having Clay, the challenges before all the, before the season was stopped, the challenges of going through the season. Tell me what that was, what that was like uh, going through that. Honestly, mm. for me, uh, you know, as someone like like yourself, I've won my entire career. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. not not just as an NBA player, like you know, as a basketball player. And so this season for me was different. You know what I'm saying? So I had to find, like, little challenges within the challenge. You know what I'm saying? And and so for me, my whole mindset into this season was, how can I help these young guys get better? How can I help them improve? How can I help get these guys set up to make the money they want to make in this league? And so that was kind of of my focus. Like, you know, I can go out and, and try to score 20 a game. Like, that's what mm-hmm. the world wanted me to do. I really didn't give mm-hmm. a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that ain't me. That's not who I'm going to be for this team. So just because the world want me to go try to do that, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be who I am and try to help right. these young guys. If we win, great. If we don't, who fucking cares? Like, all right, we don't win mm-hmm. for a year. It is what it is. So my whole focus was just trying to be a mentor and teach these young guys. You know, because for me, like, I'm in year eight. And, but we've won a lot. And so it seemed like I've been in the league forever. But I'm right. not. You know, I've, <laughs> you know, I've had, like, Matt, I've had uh, Jermaine O'Neal, Jerry Jack, David West, Zaza Pachulia, Sean, Andre. I've always kind of been, you know, I, yes, I've been a leader on the team, but I've always kind of been the leader of, like, you the, like the little brother that, yeah, you got leadership, mm-hmm. uh, you know, capabilities, and, and you are a great leader, but you're the little brother that still got an attitude problem, like, and so I get mad at times and, like, fucking go off. And then, like, one of them guys is like, all right, shut up. You good now? And, like, get back in place. Yeah. I always had that yeah. guy. And now all mm-hmm. of a sudden, I was kind of that guy. And it was weird as fuck with me starting this season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> weird as hell. I went from, like, Thanks. the young guy to, like, the the better, like, the super vet on the team. The OG. Yeah, yeah, you the OG yeah, now. Yeah, it was weird as shit. With a bunch of, but even with that said, like you said, you came in it with that mindset and focus, and you guys have found some hidden gems. Not hidden necessarily, but some gems. And uh, I like Pool a lot, I like Pascal a lot. And I think the way I was looking at it as, you guys had a dynasty. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You guys played the most basketball probably over a five year span. 
Clay and Steph happened to go down. You know what I mean? So to me, looking at him like, damn, Dre's going to have to go. And I want you to get into because I know, to keep it real, the shit was tough at times. I would mm-hmm. watch games where you get kicked out, and I know it's just frustration from other things adding up. But as an outside looking in, I'm just like, your two super superstars are getting a rest. You got one one of your superstars left, and he's the best mentor slash coach on the floor. So he's going to develop these dudes. I didn't really see you guys doing that well. I think at the beginning of the season, we, we had you guys hovering around eight, considering all, all, all factors. Um, they happen to get a lottery pick. They're well-rested. And next season, they're going to be right back in the hunt. You know, you have mm-hmm. now you have players you've developed with talent, so you could possibly put them in a trade deal with a lottery pick. You got you, Stephen Clay, as the foundation. You still got some good young talent. You guys could trade and get a superstar or, or draft one of these uh, up-and-coming stars and be right back in the mix. Tell Absolutely. me, first of all, tell me about the roller coaster it's really been as far as the frustration, because like I said, we both know how motherfucking passionate you are, and losing is losing. And, and now motherfuckers want to kick you in particular while you guys are down. Yeah, uh, for me, um, you know, it was definitely tough losing. You know, like, I'm going into it with the mindset of, you know, I'm going to help these young guys and do this, but I'm a competitor. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, I, yeah. I, I hate losing. Fuck winning. Like, I just hate losing. And so, uh, you know, there was times where, like, the mindset of, all right, I'm cool. I'm going to just develop these young guys as a competitor. You forget that. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, I'm just trying not to lose. And, you know, I've obviously grown accustomed to a style of play and a, and excellence, you know what I'm saying, at, at all levels. Mm-hmm. And so... Certain that, standard. Exactly. And so that was, um, you know, that it was tough at times for me, you know, where, uh, like, I just get frustrated, you know what I'm saying, or pissed off with, at some time, you know, trying to find that balance of getting frustrated and pissed off and teaching these young guys, but then also... When is enough enough? And you need to learn this. You know what I'm saying? And so that was a bit frustrating for me. And then uh, also, you know, I've been on the best team in the world for the last five years. And so you, you, you know, you grow accustomed to that. And I remember like sorry ass teams always saying to us like, yo, y'all get like calls like a motherfucker. And I'm like, yo, we really don't get no calls. But now being on the sorry ass team this year, I saw exactly what they was talking about. Like it was almost at times like referees was kind of like, like, like Fuck their opportunity man. to get back. You know what I'm saying? And right. So, I'm trying yeah. to tell you. And, and like then they'll start talking to you like you're a little ass boy. And so some of the, a lot of those texts I got was just like, yo, like. Nigga, I'm still Draymond Green. Fuck out of here. Like, yeah, I'm you still ain't talking to me. Yeah, you ain't talking you, to me like yeah, that. Yeah, you ain't going to treat me like I'm some young <laughs> nigga out here. And so that was kind of, uh, that was that was where a lot of those texts came from was just, I felt like it was a lot of blatant disrespect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no yeah. question. We'll get back into the season more, but we want to backtrack a little bit uh, to, to how this started because I heard some interesting stories about your recruiting process and how you committed somewhere and then you decommitted when the coach left and then some shit in Michigan and then you got in low-key, got into it with Izzo. And tell me what that ended up because you ended up getting your jersey retired just not too long ago, uh, December 3rd of last year. Tell me about the recruiting process and then we'll finally get to what the honor it was to have see your jersey hung in the rafters at Michigan State. So, so the recruiting process for me was different. Um, a lot, a lot like the NBA for me, honestly. Uh, where, you know, I'm coming up in Saginaw, and there was there was we had a guy who was 6'10 named Josh Southern, um, 
and we had a guy named Larry Wright who was Larry's about six three wing could shoot the fuck out of it was athletic, and so that was my sophomore year. And like you'd have all the coaches in the country coming in to see those guys. Josh ended up going to Boston College. Larry went to St. John's, and uh, but you had Tubby Smith, Tom Izzo, like all the coaches in the country coming through the Auburn gyms. And I'm just young. I'm ninth going to tenth grade. I'm out there rocking. And, like, my high school coach would tell me, like, yo, these coaches are coming to see Josh and Larry. And Izzo even told me this before. But they'll leave talking about you. But at the time, I'm six, I'm still 6'5". I'm undersized, playing the four. And so I would kind of just get, like, I started getting offers from mid-majors. And people, you know, you see the write-ups and stuff. Like, oh, he's a mid-major player at best and all of this. Then my junior year, you know, I lost some weight. I got more athletic. And I really started rocking my junior year and up being my best year of high school because my senior year, my ankle was fucked up. I was fat as hell. And so uh, I always wanted to go to Michigan State since I was a kid. My aunt went there. She was the number one player in the country uh, in, like, 89 that time. She, she went there, and I used to go up as a little kid, and I was scared of Sparty. But I always used to tell my mama, like, I'm going to go to Michigan State. <laughs> I, was, I, I was the little badass kid, scared of Sparty, scared of Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, I, was, I was scared of everything. And, um, you know, she's, I used to always tell them, though, I'm going to go to Michigan State. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and then when I got to high school, Coach Izzo kind of offered me, but didn't. I committed thinking I'm committed, but they weren't really honoring it. So it's like... I felt like they was kind of teetering that line of like keeping me at bay, but not going right. too far with me. And so I went in. down to uh, Kentucky my junior year, and they were playing Florida. And this one, Joe Kim, no one them was there. Like that bitch they was, was rocking. They were winning championships, yeah. They yeah, championships college game day was there. They won back-to-back, -back, I think. Yeah. Yep. And so college game day was there. We walk in, in Rupp Arena, and like I'm standing next to my assistant coach, my, my head coach of high school, and, like, we're literally this close to each other and got to scream in each other ear to hear. Mm, I'm like, yo, crazy. this shit live. So, you know, we go on, we watch the game that night. Uh, Florida ended up winning. Then we stay over. We meet with Tubby earlier that day. And, he, and they offered me. I'm like, yo, this is where I want to be. So I committed. My mom didn't even know. Shit. She didn't, she had no idea. She had never met Tubby or nothing. So I get back home. Uh, we drive back home that Sunday uh, Sunday evening. I get home. My mom was always on the blogs, just like she on fucking Twitter now. And um, <laughs> and so when I get home, like maybe Wednesday, Thursday, it start hitting the blogs like Draymond Green committed to Kentucky. Now, mind you, I still didn't tell my mom. So we. <laughs> so are you th are you thinking about this though? Like, damn, I need to tell her. I need this. Are you trying to hide it? I'm trying to hide it. Like she never gonna find out until it's time for me to go. <laughs> so I get home like that Thursday. Little did evening. you know. Yeah, I, and she's standing there like waiting on me. Like you did what? Like, and I'm like, huh? She showed me the computer, like, you you, you committed to Kentucky? And she fucking went crazy. Like, how dare you mm. do that? You never fucking talked to me about it, this, that, and the other. Like, Lou, who's my high school coach, they don't fucking run you. I'm your fucking mom, all this stuff. Mm. And I'm just like, whoa. So for all me, facts. it's like the happiest time of my life. You feel me? Like, I'm committed to Kentucky. But she's fucking grilling me. So, like, a week and a, week and a half later, she, go, she drive down and go to a game by herself with my father. They met down there, went to the game, and she came back, and she was in tears, and she was like, yo, I'm, like, I'm not happy that you did that without me, but I see like 
why you committed right, it. It's fucking right. amazing down there, and I'm happy yeah. for you. And so time went on, you know what I'm saying? And then we get to March, and Tubby called me. Now, we're in the, we're in the state playoffs. We end up winning the championship. But Tubby called me, and he said, hey, now I wanted to call you and let you know that I'm going to be leaving Kentucky tomorrow, and I'm going a, I'm, I'm to a go coach at Minnesota. But I wanted to call you first and let mm. you know that and not find out on blogs. And so I'm wow. like, wow, that's great. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate you letting me know stand-up guy Tubby is. And, you know, I'm going to reopen my recruitment, but I'll definitely look at Minnesota, definitely be at the top of that list. And so I reopen my recruitment, and the first call I get that next morning, 7 in the morning, is Coach Izzo. Day, day. I'm like, what's up? He like, how in the fuck could you, like, this is me and his relationship forever. Like, how in the fuck could you commit to Kentucky? It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> this, that, and the other. And I'm like, yo, like, you didn't fucking offer me. So now I start back going at him like, you ain't fucking offer me. You full of shit. Y'all act like I was fucking coming there. And I committed to you and you ain't, you fucking pulled the scholarship. Like, fuck that. And he's like, who in the yeah. fuck said that? Well, you didn't have a fucking offer. And now I'm telling you, now you got a fucking offer. So we're having a screaming match. He's offering me a scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a full-out screaming match. Like, Only you. And so, you know, I ended up uh, reopening recruitment, and it, it eventually comes down to Michigan, Michigan State, and Indiana. And this is like the summer after that March. And I was pro- – like, not many people noticed. I was going to go to Michigan. And mm. my mom wanted me to go to Michigan because of, you know, the education and all of that. I'm really trying to get to the least, so I ain't really tripping about the education. But I was going to go to Michigan. It felt good. <laughs> and b Hatch just got there. Like it was, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to Michigan. So they called me, and they begged me to come down to open gym on this. I, now, this is Thursday. I'm committing on the following Thursday. They begged Without me to come down Without even taking a trip. Gym. You was just going to yeah. commit. I, I had been before. It's Michigan. It's an hour mm-hmm. away. Right. You know what I'm saying? So right. I had been there a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And they begged me to come one last time on on that Monday before. Uh, so it's, it's Thursday evening. They're begging me to come. I go that Monday. I'm committing that following Thursday. But I don't tell them I'm committing there. They just know my press conference is Thursday. And so I go down. I play in the open gym with them. I'm busting their ass. I'm talking <laughs> shit. Busting their ass. And like nobody talking back. Like that that time, Manny Fresh was there. PD was there. PD ain't a big talker, you know what I'm saying? PD from Detroit. Manny not a big talker. They real niggas, but they ain't big talkers. And then like yeah. the rest, like Kelvin Grady was cool, but like it was a lot of squares on the team. And so I'm busting their ass and talking shit. And like nobody's saying nothing back. But I'll go to Michigan State and I'm talking shit and like Travis Walton trying to fight me and like everybody's trying to fight. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right, we talk, yeah, everybody yeah. talking shit. We about to fight in this open gym. That's more yeah. me than fucking talking and everybody's just looking at me. And right, so yeah, yeah. Michigan State just felt more at home for me. But had Michigan left my ass at home and not fucking called me down there Crazy. that Monday, I would have went to Michigan. Crazy. And, you know, Michigan State ended up being the best decision of my life. Like, my freshman year, I was trying to transfer because I wasn't getting the clock I wanted. And I fucking knew I should have been playing. Every time I played, I played well. But I had Delvon Rowe in front of me, who was the top five recruit at my position in the same class with me. And then I had some seniors ahead of me. But I earned my minutes. But I ain't, we, we played at Ohio State once that, uh, at, that year. 
And I ain't played. That was the only game I didn't play at all. But I ain't play at all. I called my mom crying on the bus. Like, you got to get me the fuck out of here. And she told me, like, you, you made your bed. You got to lay in it. Mm. And so Ooh. I just kind of locked back in. I ended up playing great through the tournament. And then, shit, the rest of my career, I just got better and better. And the rest is history. But that shit, was, it, was, it was a roller coaster ride for sure. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano. And we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the exactly. olympics he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of that, like that, see that ladies and gentlemen please welcome sam cassell to point game i remember you came out from crying tears <laughs> crying tears. i mean he was in a culture shock and then he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning remember what i told you i said i said oh you think i can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. To, to, to think all that culminated with you getting your jersey retired uh, last mm-hmm. December. I, I explain to us the, the, the energy and, 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 and the honor you felt during that process. So, funny, because they, 
Coach Izzo wanted to retire my jersey in 2016. And I don't know, I mean, I'll remind you, but 2016 was a very rough year for me. I got uh, I got, a, I got suspended from game five of the finals. And then about three weeks later, I slapped the shit out of a guy at Michigan State. And I got arrested. And then about two and a half weeks later, I fucking had a Snapchat incident. And so, like, all of that shit happened within, like... Bang, bang, bang. Like, six weeks. And so it was, like, the roughest six weeks of my life. But, so Coach Izzo had called me, um, you know, after I got arrested, you know, a couple months later. And obviously, I was talking to him all through that. But a couple months later, he like, yo, I want to retire your jersey here. And I'm like, Coach, fuck that place. I'm never coming back there. Like, the guy fucking charged me and shit and I slap him and I get arrested there and he charged me, I'm never fucking coming back to East Lansing. And so I kind of said no in 2016, just being kind of a hothead and not fucking understanding the honor. And then coach told me um, like last September, like, yo, you need to fucking pick a date. I'm retiring to Jersey. And we we end up finding a date that worked perfect. Uh, we was on the East Coast and man, to go there and like, like, I was like, oh, I'm not going to tear up. You know what I'm saying? A tough guy can shit. And, like, I'll be fine. I ain't going to get emotional. But, like, when I went out there on that court at halftime with my family there, with my kids there, and, like, to see my fucking jersey going in the rafters, like, I think I'm the 10th one. Like, mm. that's there forever. And, you know, it was a big deal for me to, like, have my name in the weight room and my picture and shit. But, like, to get my jersey up there, like, I paid for the weight room. <laughs> But to get, like, I worked for that fucking jersey to get up there. Hey, a, a, lot of, a lot of motherfuckers will never see that, man. Facts. Right. Facts. But I, I worked my ass off to get my jersey up there. Like, motherfuckers told me I was stupid for going to Michigan State and that I would never play there. And, like, to see my jersey up there, like, my kids walk in that gym. Anybody walk in that gym, my Forever. shit up there. You know what I'm saying? And, like, people, like, still send me videos, uh, like, when they go to the Braves and watch a game or, like, the jersey up there. That shit is surreal. Like, I'm from Saginaw, Hell, Michigan. Yeah. Like, right. that shit don't happen for us. Right. Yeah. That's dope. Congratulations. Reflect real yeah, quick. Congratulations on that. Your last, reflect on this last decade from you. You touched on the college experience. You ended up being a college All American, second round draft pick to the Warriors. You guys helped build something special. You win three titles, defensive player of the year, all star, bad boy of the league. This last 10 years has been a hell of a run for you. How do you just sit back and kind of reflect on it now that you have time to reflect on it? Man, uh, it's been, I I couldn't have, you know, dreamt this in my wildest dreams, man. Like, you know, growing up in Saginaw, making it to the NBA was just like a far-fetched dream. I don't even know if I could call it a dream. It was just (laughs) whatever the fuck it was. But it was like, I had this idea of getting there with no clue of how it would ever happen or if it would ever happen. It's, it's just like a little kid growing up. And then not only to get to the NBA as a second-round pick, but to actually have the success that I've had with the championships and All-Star and Defensive Player of the Year and stuff. Honestly, um, and in my, opi- in my opinion, changing the game of basketball. You know what I'm saying? And not, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Not, I think, I think I changed the game of basketball with the help of Steph Curry. You know what I'm saying? But I think Steph Curry changed the game of basketball with the help of me. Like, I think it was a match made in heaven. And and then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, fucking Klay Thompson coming to his own and become top two shooters in the world. And us three fucking changed the game of basketball forever. 
like, I think I, I could have never imagined this in my wildest dreams, but it's it's been such a great run. And honestly, being in that run, you don't really appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. this year I was able to step outside of that run. You know what I'm saying? And like, and all this year I would just have times where I would just sit back and think or just chill in my room on the road or at the crib and just think like, yo, we, like I actually just finished a run with, with the greatest team to ever to step on on the basketball court. Crazy. Like, mm-hmm. And I was, you know, a big part of that. Like that, I, I, I get, I mean, I, you can see I'm stumbling over my words cause it, it touched yeah. me. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, it hit sure. different yeah. just to sit back and think about that. Like the NBA, we, I just spoke on it in the beginning. Like the NBA is fucking huge. Like, it's a huge yeah. part of the world we live in. And to be, uh, to have the success that I've had in the NBA and to be a part of something so special, man, it's, it, it means the world to me. Hey, and to, and, to, and to even go a little further, to even go a little further, me, you, and Matt, we was all second round picks. You know, we we all we we all the odds was against us coming in. A lot of people didn't really believe us. We were just thrown in the draft at the end. But but for for you to to be where you are now, to have all the accolades, the awards, the championships, and all that, do you ever think back to like how the, how being a second round pick motivated you to to defy all the odds and to show to prove everybody wrong? Because I know that's what it did for me. You know what's crazy, bro? <clears throat> I didn't. I, I forgot you were a second round pick. Like you was fuck so good in the league. Like you was. <laughs> A I fucking dog it, in the OG. Like, it. You was a young yeah. OG to OG in the league for so long. Like, I fucking forgot. Like, I remember watching you in Indiana. <laughs> like, fucking, that's crazy. But uh, being a second-round pick for me, like, I should, I, I felt like I should have been a first-round pick. I won National Player of the Year. Like, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, all those guys was in, the, in college of the year that I won National Player of the Year. And... Mm-hmm. I went second round. Like, National Players of the Year don't go second round. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I went second round, and there's all these questions of who he... Ironically, they asked who was I going to guard, which ain't do shit, but motivate me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what position was I going to play, which motivated me to do what I've done and try to make positions meaningless. But uh, mm-hmm. it was always fueled on my fire. But, I, you know, I said it before. I got. I still to this day can name all guys drafted before me because that shit will never stop driving me. But mm-hmm. I said it, being a first round pick just didn't fit my story. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. from college, from high, you know, going all the way back to high school. Like I played freshman basketball my freshman year, and then my sophomore year I started every game. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. there was a couple freshmen on varsity before me, and I I thought I was better. But mm-hmm. I played fucking. Fr- I didn't even play JV, bro. I played freshman. I think the lowest <laughs> amount of points I scored was twenty three that year, and I probably played like out of a fucking thirty two minute game. I probably played nineteen minutes. I got bust everybody asses. I was pissed off. But like, yeah. and then you go to college. Like my freshman year, I barely played, and then I had, and then I get to the league my rookie year. I barely played my second year a little more. Like, but in in the in between that is being a second round pick. Being a first-round pick just didn't fit my story. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, no disrespect to first-round picks or guys who's, you know, been a first-round yeah. pick, but, like, first-round picks are given a lot of shit. Like, they're giving hey, That make a lot of sense, though. You make a lot of sense. That, that shit don't fit your story. I never heard it like that, but that make a lot of sense. First round didn't fit my story. <laughs> like, it just didn't fit who I was. Like, they're giving <laughs> shit. I ain't been giving shit in my life. 
And they're right. like giving opportunity after opportunity. Like that organization wants them to be great. So that GM could say, I got it right. I told y'all. Mm, like, right, that, right. that didn't fit me. Like, no, I had to go take that GM respect. And take now that you're talking about respect. that. Poli- now you talk about the politics that people don't really understand, man. That shit is crazy. Yeah. To be able to be able to, to be a second round pick. We all had our stories, but to be able to crack through finally, and that means we're taking people's jobs. That means, you know, in my situation early in Golden State, they were trading Dunleavy and Murphy. Those are two. Dunleavy was a lottery pick, if I'm not mistaken. Troy Murphy was up there high, too, you know. So to, for a second-round pick to crack into that fucking rotation and line up with all the politics, that shit ain't easy, man, mm, and people don't think about that yeah. side of it. No, it's different. I mean, and for me, like, I was the 35th pick. You had Harrison Barnes, who was the seventh pick, and Festus Azili, who was the 30th pick. They were both first-round picks. The Warriors passed on me twice. I just happened to be still sitting there. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, both of those guys, and, you know, we, we did something special together. Our draft class, we kind of view it as, like, was the turning point of this organization. Like, we, you know, we came in 2012. That was our first year making the playoffs here. And, um, and so, you know, we done some special things together. But of that draft class, I am the last one here but I was the last one picked. And so, you know, mm. just having that fuel to constantly fucking drive me, knowing that not only did they pass me twice, you know what I'm saying, but all the other teams just fucking went right. past me some, two some. I think uh, one team might have passed me three three or four times in the draft. Like, And mm. so that's always been fuel, but fuck them now. <laughs> right up. <laughs> right up. Hey, we recently had Mark Jackson on the show. Actually, his episode dropped today, so everyone go check that out. It's going to be a little late, oh, okay. but you know, we'll go check, check that, that out. out. Shout Jack- out Mark yeah, Jackson. Jackson. Definitely, Kyle Kamo Jackson. Talk to us about him kind of building the foundation for you as a pro, um, him as a head coach, and the, what he kind of, along with talent, like he said, he gives you guys all the credit. But talk to me about his, um, what would I want to say, his role in that process. Um, he, you know, Mark Jackson played a, a very key role in the success we've had here. And Mark Jackson, you know, the Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, you, you see, they, they weren't that, you know what I'm saying? And obviously their skill got better, but their mentality wasn't as such. You know what I'm saying? I, I right. remember times of Mark Jackson telling them like, yo, you great. Like you, you fucking like, he don't cuss, you know what I'm saying? But like, you great, believe that, you know, and like mm-hmm. kind of giving them the confidence to believe. And and not only the confidence, but the ultimate green light to fucking yes. go be great. You know what I'm saying? Like, he changed their mindsets from who mm. they were. Clay coming into the league and Steph was already here when Mark got here. He changed their mindset in basketball and just as people. And that was huge for who they've grown to become today. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, and then obviously me coming in, like, I still remember uh, when I got drafted, Mark Jackson called me and he was like, yo, I want you to come in and be that same Draymond Green that I've seen at Michigan State leading guys for years. I want you to come in and be that same guy. Don't come here and try to take no back seat. Don't come here and not say what you got to say. Come in and be that same guy. You know what I'm saying? So Mark Jackson instilled confidence in us, you know, and 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 then obviously, you know, a couple of years, my, my first two years he was here, we went to the playoffs and he got fired. You know what I'm saying? And it was it was kind of fucked up, you know what I'm saying? Because it was just like, damn, like this guy is helping us reach new heights, and then he got out of there. I, I, right. I, I've never said this, but to be quite honest, Mark Jackson was great for us and 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 where we were. You know, we were all young, mm-hmm. thirsty, hungry, trying to trying to get it. 
I think Mark Jackson was great for us. Do we get to the next level with Mark Jackson? I'm not sure. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, you can't just say no because we don't know the answer, but I right. can't just say yes either. And, you know, right. for several different reasons. However, do we reach the level that we reach with Steve Kerr without, without Mark Jackson? I can't say that either. You know what I'm saying? Because right. Right. Mark instilled something in us that right. when Steve Kerr took over, it was kind of up. It was already trending up, and then we just kind of shot out of cannon with Steve. You know, Steve brought a different philosophy on the offensive end, which I think really helped us get over that hump. You know what I'm saying? And so that's where I think the key differences lie is Mark Jackson's offense was kind of take advantage of a mismatch or a high ball screen. You know what I'm saying? And at times, like I still remember when we played San Antonio, Steph probably scored 25 points straight and Pop didn't switch a coverage. He just like hit, like it'll run his course. And that's kind of Steve Kerr's theory too. And so mm-hmm. I think he learned uh, that he learned that from Pop. Yeah, and it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? And sure enough, all of us <laughs> was fucking standing around watching mm-hmm. Steph go to work, score 25 straight, and then all of a sudden he got tired, and we're all out of rhythm. They came mm-hmm. storming back, and they beat us. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'm not sure with the offensive philosophy that we ever get over the mm-hmm. hump. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's his coaching skills. His yeah. offensive philosophy was just different. And Steve Kerr yeah. brought in an offensive philosophy that really fitted us great. And it really opened up a lot for, you know, Stephen Clay was already scoring, but it opened up a, the floor for them as well. And so, uh, you know, I think we kind of got, I mean, we never know what would have happened with Mark and we don't know if Steve was here. We, we'll never know that. But right. it fucking worked out perfectly. And I think, you know, both of those guys deserve credit for a lot of fucking credit for what we've That's been dope. able to do. Hey, with Mark Jackson, though, I think, like, with Mark, he has an unbelievable basketball mind, dog. Actually playing the game and just being a point guard and playing with so many good players and knowing how to control a game. But I think when Steve came in, Steve brought that championship mentality. Steve got rings in a lot of and di- a lot of different agree. places, man. I, I, I don't care what people say. Steve got a lot of experience and a lot of rings. Yeah. I won one with him, so I and, and, mm-hmm. and I know his basketball mind. People got to think, and this is what I, I always give Steve his props. And this is why I know he's 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 a great coach on how he thinks. Steve was in situations where he didn't play whole series, but he'll come mm-hmm. in game six, championship game, and knock down four threes and Bang. didn't even play the whole game. <laughs> yep. So so uh, his mindset, they both are great minds, but Steve's mindset was a little different, and that's why mm-hmm. the team was able to grow. And it's not a knock against Mark. It's just mm-hmm. how things happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I agree with that 100%. And obviously, you know, when Steve got here, it was obviously when my career really took off. You know what I'm saying? So I'm appreciative of what, he bought, you know what I'm saying? Me and Steve used to bump heads a whole lot at first. <laughs> and it took us a while to realize we're so similar in a lot of ways. Like, we both yes, got sir. that fucking fiery passion. We both going to do whatever we got to do for the team, but can lose it in the fucking instant, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I really appreciate Steve and his basketball mind and, and, and also his feel, you know what I'm saying? Like, Steve got great feel. He know what to oh, say. Man. When to say it, you know what I'm saying? He know, all right, I'm going to take a step back and, like, let y'all do what y'all got to do. I get it. It's been fucking six months of the season. Let me take a step back and let y'all mm-hmm. coach the game against Phoenix. I ain't saying mm-hmm. a word. You know, just hey, 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 stuff hey, let, let me like ask that. you this, Dre. Let me ask you this, because I've been in this situation. How many times you come out the game going crazy and he send Mike Brown down there? All the time. 
Mike Brown comes down there. Hey, Mike Brown tell me all the time, like, Dre, I don't give a fuck what you're going to say. You you can say whatever you got to say to me. I'm cool. But he, he always said Mike Brown to down there to come calm me down. And it, it, it's smart, though, because if he come down there, it's going to be his this. Ass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> he just, he got great feel, man. I remember one, one, a couple years ago, I was literally at a point where I'm like, I, like the infamous argument with me and him at OKC, you know, it blew up, which it was crazy. But like, it was after that, like I was at a point and, and to his credit, he learned me, you know what I'm saying? He didn't, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't just throw in a towel. He figured me out. I mean, fucking a million conversations with Tom Izzo and something go wrong, like just trying to learn me. Yo, I was at a point where I'm like, yo, I'm about, like, if he say one more thing to me, I'm about to fucking lose it on him. <laughs> yo, he wrote me, he wrote me a four, he didn't say nothing. I was, I'm dying for him to say something so I can fucking go <laughs> Yo, he ain't said a word. He wrote me a four-page letter, bro. Oh, he alleged you, huh? I, I, to this day, I can't tell you what the letter said. I read the first fucking line. And they said, Draymond, you know, I wanted to write you this letter. I know, you know, things are rough right now. And, you know, we're, we're kind of bumping heads right now. And we're at a standstill. And you're, you're frustrated and it's starting to boil over. Yo, I closed the letter up and threw it away. I said, yo, he know me. He got me figured <laughs> out. And he took his time to, to figure me out. I, yeah. don't need to, I don't need to see anything else. Like, and we were in Philly. I'll never forget. And so that next game... We played that next day, and I had literally talked to Coach Izzo on the phone. I'm like, Coach, I'm about to fucking lose it. I'm fucking sick of Steve, like this, that, and other. And he, he's talking to me, and then and after I talked to Coach Izzo, I had the letter for a few days. I didn't open it. After I talked to Coach Izzo, I opened the letter. I read the first line. I just threw it away. I can't tell you what the rest of it said. But it, it was just cool because I'm like, damn, he figured me out, and he knew I was ready to fucking lose it. He didn't say a fucking word. He played a... He, Fucking chess move, bro. He he fucking I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't I mean, argue. He, he learned that shit from Pop too. Trust me, he learned that from Pop too, man. I'm telling man. you, Pop do the same shit, man. It was fucking great, bro. Like, and that next Boy, game, I, I almost had a triple double at halftime. I was like one, like one assist short. He told me at halftime, like, yo, you, you we was beating their ass by 25 in Philly. He's like, yo, you probably not gonna play the rest game, and you close to a triple double, so. You try to get it fast. Bro, I spent the rest of that half trying to get that last assist, and it never fucking came. Yeah. <laughs> I almost tricked the game for us. Like, literally, uh, it took Harrison Barnes to hit a corner three. We was down two. Harrison Barnes hit a corner three to win the game for us at the end because I'm trying to chase a triple-double. He came to me after the game. He said, yo, I probably shouldn't have said nothing to you about that triple-double. Yeah, word, because word. the way you was playing completely changed. But he said, what I will tell you is, the first, the first three plays on the court, I looked at my coaches and I said, Draymond back. Like, mm. I can see the difference mm. in your play, the first three plays of the game. And so, like, mm. a lot of credit to Steve, man. He really figured me out and been getting the most out of me as a player. But that relationship, what I try to tell people, because I always on the outside looking in and Jack and I are the same. You, you are just like us. <laughs> Having an understanding and then when I got there to see that I was right, like, you make that whole organization go. 
You you make. I mean, obviously, Steph and Clay and KD and whoever you're, you're the people who have helped you obtain the success you have. But that team doesn't win one championship without you. I don't even know if. if Clay, Steph, and, and, and this is going out, and, 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 and KD alone could win a championship because there's so many things you do. First of all, they don't show up on the chassis. You'll go out there and get a triple-double, you'll kill. You'll get a triple-double without even getting 10 points. There's so many different Lock things. Lock up the best get, player. Lock up the best. Lock up a whole defense. Yeah, I mean, this motherfucker will hold a whole, at 6'5", six, at six, hold a whole entire defense down. But even the stuff off the court, how you mentally challenge the coaches, how you mentally challenge the training staff, how you mentally challenge management, like you, it's like a beautiful mind. And it's it crazy because mm-hmm. I saw it, and then when I was uh, fortunate enough to come fuck with you guys and you guys got me a championship when I didn't have to do shit, appreciate y'all, I got to see what I kind of <laughs> always thought. Like Draymond... Hand is in all aspects of this organization. And on the outside, people don't understand that because they look at you or he can only play with them, he can only do this, he can only do that. Those, your teammates, Steph and Clay, KD, those guys, other guys you play with, Andre, Sean, and in that organization, the way they've handsomely rewarded you with two nice contracts, understand how important you are, not only to the success on the court, but just the overall view of how the Golden State Warriors are viewed. And I just wanted to get, let you know that because, like I said, I thought it a long time ago, and I got to see it firsthand, and it was a beautiful thing, man. And you're just, like I said, you like me and Jack. Your heart is on your sleeve, so you're going to say there's no sugar mm-hmm. coat, nothing. And sometimes we're mm-hmm. like, fuck, well, maybe we shouldn't have said that, but we truly felt it at that time, and it needed to be said. But to be Absolutely. able to see it person, I just want to say I, I love that shit, man, and, and it's really a hats off to you because not a lot of people get to understand and see that. Man, I appreciate that, bro. And, and you definitely did something when you came here. I mean, even your mindset coming in here, like, you know, like it, it, it brought a different mindset to this team because, you know, there's we, like Steph and Clay, there's no surprise. They don't say much. You know, Steph talk mm-hmm. a little more now, Clay talk a little more now, but that's come with time. But they, you know, to their core, they don't say much. You know what I'm saying? And so right. just really adding another guy who just, like, obviously you came in and you played good for us in big games, for sure. But just, and, and I think one of the things that really hurt you uh, even in here, like, obviously you got the ring and all of that and you played in some big games in the playoffs too. But when you went down at the end of the season, it kind of set you back some, you know what I'm saying? But, mm-hmm. you know, Andrew, that's all fine and dandy. You came in here, you helped us get a championship. But, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, I hear that all the time. Like, oh, you ain't shit without Steph McClay or KD, like three All-Stars. Like, I can dig that. Like, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, them them guys do make me a lot better. You know what I'm saying? But Tom Brady ain't winning championships with no receivers. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. you got to have good players around you. And there's Mm -hmm. not, like Michael Jordan, one of the greatest, if not the, probably, I mean, arguably LeBron and all of that, like, greatest player we've ever seen has Scottie Pippen. Scotty Pippen, yeah. I've been watching old games. He had Scottie Dennis Pippen Rodman, too. So he had Dennis good. Rodman, too. Dennis Rodman, fucking Steve Kerr, B.J. Like, Michael Jordan had fucking Ron Harper. Like, everybody got somebody. And so, do, do Clay and Steph make me better? Of course. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not afraid to say that. I think, you know, the world kind of, I think so many people get pissed off that I am who I am. And I've had the success that I've had. Absolutely. But I don't do what they can see, which is a score. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So right. many people that prototypical, think they know right. basketball right. and don't know shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes <laughs> right. I wish I played football because people enjoy football, but they know they don't know shit. You know what I'm saying? It's too much right. going on right. out there for them to think they know something. <laughs> but in basketball, everybody think they fucking know the game. And like, 
I know I'll run when when you're like talking basketball and like X's and O's, like I'll fucking run circles around most people in this right. world. But yeah, right. everybody got an opinion and think they know the right. fucking game. Like, yeah, Steph Curry do make me better. Like, yeah, Clay Thompson do make me better. And like I make right. them better. Because Come by on, the man. way, you know, people talk all this shit about shooting and all of this. And my I I'll, I'll put this up against anybody. If, if not number one, I'm definitely top two or three. I think I'm the best screen setter to ever play in the NBA. Like, <laughs> like, and that's just real. Like, I'm a great defender. Yeah. But I don't think yeah. there's anybody that ever fucking touched the NBA that can set better screens than me. I'm that shit that don't hit the stat sheet. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, but it's a lot of dumb fucks that don't even realize that. You know what I'm How saying? How important like, that is, though, especially yeah. with the two guys, you, the three guys you mentioned in your heyday with KD, too. You're having some of the most prolific scores we ever seen get Ever. free because of the screen. Like, the screen is so hard to navigate, and then you're motherfucking smart. You'll lean, you'll roll, you'll slip out early, you'll play mind games. They'll give you the ball, you'll give it right back to them, but you'll pass it to someone. Like, your mind of seeing, like, you see plays before they develop. Like I, like I said, to me, you've always been that quarterback out there. You handle the ball more than anyone on that team. They can say whatever the fuck you want, but you are the primary decision maker no matter what the situation is. Like, you get Steph his I mean, obviously, Steph can take his ISOs and Clay will get hot and KD did his thing. But from a day-to-day -day standpoint, you are the quarterback that gets everyone else going. Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, I take pride in that. You know what I'm saying? So to everybody out there who want to talk shit about this year, um, I really don't give a fuck because, in my opinion, I got I got better. You know what I'm saying? I got I got better as a player. I got better as a person and as a leader. And I, I became a better screener for sure because even learning learning the screen for D'Angelo Russell is completely different than learning the screen for Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so just learning the screen for Jordan Poole. You know, like I got better. You know, and and like. That's going to make me even better for next year. So, you know, like, I appreciate everybody talking. I kind of needed, you know, them to, to relight that fire under my ass. But I'm definitely the best screener to ever play in the NBA. And they're going to hate to hear that. They want me, oh, you well, can't shoot, you can't do this. Ah, uh, I'm the best fucking screener to ever play. As, 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 much, as, much, as much as you done done already, though, like, I know you got to continue to challenge yourself. Defensive player of the year, you got NBA titles, you got a gold medal. And I know you went through a lot of challenges, you know, going through before the season was ended. We're trying to mold the young guys. Like, what's your next challenge? Like, I know, I know you coming back next year and try to get the team back to the championship is one. You know what I'm saying? But what, what's, what's your personal challenge you challenge yourself? Because you damn near done everything already. Uh, my, my personal challenge to myself is, to like, I think one year I shot, like, 38, 39% from three. You know what I'm saying? Like, and... So my personal challenge to myself is to get that back. And I've kind of had to, like, re restructure my jump shot, you know what I'm saying, and, not, and, and kind of restructure my whole body. A few years ago, um, after, after we swept the Cavs in the finals, my hip was bothering me. And so the next day, yeah, I, like, I couldn't, I couldn't really walk. Like, if we didn't sweep, I don't know if I would have been able to play in game five. And then, you know, the, the day after that, I couldn't move at all. Like, I got to the point where I was sitting on the couch with, like, my leg, like, opened up. And I ended up, you know, check, getting my hips checked out and stuff. And there were some issues, you know what I'm saying? So I had to recorrect that. I had to re-strengthen strengthen my core, which is something I never even really knew, you know what I'm saying? And, like, so I had to do all this re-strengthening. And in turn, in doing all of that, 
it kind of changed my shot because it changed the way I lift up and all of this shit. Mm-hmm. So I've been working on restructuring that and, and getting my three-pointer back to like, if I can get that back, you know, to above 36%, possibly shoot 40%, That's which trouble. I know I'm That's more trouble. than capable of. Uh, you know the world the, the league is in trouble again if I can do that so uh that's my goal and and to and to be an all-star again you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. uh it's, it's honestly been dope as hell these last two all-stars to go on a vacation with with, with my kids and my my fiance but I, I I got that itch again you know what I'm saying like I need yeah. like I got the three straight and I'm like yeah all right like I, I knew I could do it you know what I'm saying and I kind of lost that itch like all-star didn't really become a thing for me no more. I got that itch again. Like, like I want to get back there. You know what I'm saying? And so those are a couple challenges for myself. And then and then getting this team back to greatness. You know, a lot of people saying of we course. can't we can't win without KD. Like like we didn't win without KD already. You know what I'm saying? And so oh, right. really like is it going to be as easy? Fuck no. Like Kevin's great. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not going to be as easy, but I know for sure with with them two Guys, I roll been rolling with since I came into this motherfucker that we it started this done. shit with. It can get done, and we gonna get it yes, done. Sir. So that's my goal. Those are my Straight goals up. for myself uh, moving forward. That's dope. In a, in a in a historical context, obviously you guys have been argued with one of the greatest, the greatest team, if not the Bulls team. The back and forth. How, how do you look at the historical context and what you guys accomplished, and how hard in your mind is it to compare your guys' team to the great Bulls teams and the great Laker teams and, and, and along down the line? I think um, I, 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 I'm biased, obviously, but I think we're the greatest team ever. Um, and, you know, when you start, when, when you start, but I'm not one to, to really compare teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan didn't play in the league we played in today. Like, it's a completely different league, you know what I'm saying? Completely. So to even say, like, oh, we would have beat them, they would have beat us, like, they was physical as fuck. Like, could we play with that level of physicality? I don't know. Like, probably not, or probably could, but could they keep up with our speed? And the shit we would Probably doing, not. Probably not, you know what I'm saying? When you mm-hmm. start talking Shaq and Kobe, like, got, you know, R.P. Code, Shaq, my favorite player growing up as a kid, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I had Orlando Magic Night Lights and fucking onesie pajamas and shit. Like, Shaq always been one of my favorite players. But, like, and, and watching, I've always watched the game as a student of the game. Like, me and Steph Curry would have fucking destroyed Shaq in a pick and roll. Like, destroyed. Shaq would have fucking murdered me on the block. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are two completely different games right. we talking about. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so... You start, we start to compare teams and like, are we better than them? In our era of basketball, we would have destroyed them. You know what I'm saying? But in Shaq and Kobe era, where they're fucking dumping the ball down to Shaq, we probably would have got crushed. You know what I'm saying? Like, Every possession. That's just the reality. And you want to take us back to the 90s with the Bulls and their physicality. In the league today, you can't fucking touch nobody. So to mm-hmm. think that we could play at that level of physicality, like, it's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know that because we don't play near that level of physicality. But they was fucking winning games 79 to 70. Right. Like, we scored 79 points in the first half. And so it's two completely different <laughs> right. eras. And, and I respect everybody for their greatness in their era. Like, dominating and owning your era. And the, the Lakers did that. Fucking the Bulls did that. Like, and, and the Celtics back then, they did that. Like, I respect teams for dominating their area. And we've dominated our fucking era. 
Facts. All right. Uh, favorite defensive, uh, favorite challenge defensively. I know you, uh, you're one of the best defenders in the game. Who did you study? You know, tell me who's your favorite guy to defend and who did you study, you know, as being the best, one of the best defenders to play the game? Uh, for, for me, um, you know, I used to, I used to study a lot of different guys. Like I would study, uh, Charles Oakley and, and Dennis Rodman with like their side, you know, and, yeah. and then I would also study Kurt Thomas. You know, how he guarded yeah. the folks. Like, I think great great post defender. Yeah, like one of the best ever. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, studying Kurt Thomas and then being around, like, big brother to me, Ben Wallace. You know what I'm saying? Like, I came up, you know, in Michigan watching the Pistons, and then I, I was able to get a, get, a, get, the, get a chance to know Ben Wallace and, like, really study him. Mm-hmm. And undersized, like, Ben Wallace fucking 6'7", six, 6'8", six, was guarding Shaq. You know what I'm saying? And so... Yeah. Uh, you know, just studying him from you know from a from a bigs perspective. Uh, you know, I really I really watched a lot of those guys, and then from on the perimeter, I I would watch like how clips of Gary Payton. You know what I'm saying? And like watch different angles. Like Gary Payton wasn't the fastest, Mm-mm. but he would fucking lock somebody up. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so like watching All how he time. played with angles and like used his hands and different stuff like that. Like I would watch guys like that. And for me, uh, you know, over the course of my career, my favorite couple guys to guard has been Blake Griffin and and Kevin Love. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They, mm. They're both great players. But I used to, like, you know, when I was coming in, like, those were kind of the next two power forwards up. Uh, those two, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, when I was first coming in the league. And so when I was coming in, like, I, I would love to take on the challenge of, like, oh, these y'all guys, like, I can fucking lock them up. You know what I'm saying? And so... Those are two guys who, you know, so I appreciate playing against them because they're great talents, but I also appreciate it and would take on that challenge head on because, you know, you hear like all the talk about how young, you know, great these young guys are. And for me, shit, I'm, I'm, I need it. I'm trying to feed my family, you know. And so if these are two guys I need to lock up for y'all to believe it, then that's what I was going to go do. And so, yeah. you know, I appreciate those two guys' greatness, you know, in, in, their, in their game. But you know, those have been two of my favorite guys to match up against. And, you know, once that fire is lit, like, those are two guys you love playing against. It's lit. Like, it never go away. Like, you know, they – and whenever I step on the court with either of those guys, I'm trying to fucking destroy them. And they're trying yeah. to destroy me because that battle has yeah. been there since I came into the league. You know what I'm saying? But if I had to pinpoint two guys, it's, it's definitely those two guys because I knew those was two guys in my position that I had to go through if I wanted to reach the level that I – been able to reach, but also continue to go. Hey, I had I had a short stand with the Clippers, a real short stand with the Clippers, but I seen Kevin Love give Blake Griffin 30 and 25 with mm. my own eyes. Mm. I could I could not believe it. All jumpers, no dunks, no nothing. Layups, hooks, threes. I'm like, boy, Kevin Love is for real. I seen yeah, it with my own eyes. Absolutely. <laughs> like, it it ain't no athleticism to it or none of that. Skill. Like, just, skill. Strength. Dead eye shooter skill. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, strong I got an appreciation for that. Absolutely. What? And then Blake, on I mean, the other hand, strong as hell, too. And I got the respect yeah, no. for Blake also and seeing, like, where his game has come to. Like, you know, from who Blake was to who he is today, he worked on oh, yeah. this fucking game. Uh, he had to. One of the hardest yeah. workers I've ever seen, yeah. Handle, shooting it now. Yeah. So I got, I got respect yeah. for both of those guys, but I love those matchups. But we used to have those battles. I mean, people don't understand, like, not that you guys were a little brother, but 
all the talent we had in Lob City, we should have won championships, and we're going to break that down at some point with the, with all the dysfunction we had. But just right across the way, when we used to battle you guys, we were the last team. You know, we pushed you guys. You guys pushed us to the seven-game series. We beat you guys. And then the next year, Coach Kerr came, and you guys won a championship. So we would see you guys like, damn, like, okay, we're a different type of team. We kind of feel like we're better than them. But these motherfuckers right here with the way how hard Draymond plays, and I remember some shit between, happened between Steph and um, CP because CP was the best point guard in the league at the time. You said some shit like, I'm fucking taking Steph 10 out of 10 times. I, I don't know your exact words. But we saw you guys coming and how much you guys fucked with each other, how excited you guys were when other people scored, and just the chemistry and the aura you guys had around your team. I'm like, these young motherfuckers are up next. We felt like we had what it took at that time to win a championship, but we used to battle with you guys constantly because you guys were younger coming up. We were older, already in a position to win. You guys were still learning, but we're, we used to look over there like, these young motherfucking warriors, they're going to be a problem, man. Absolutely. Those battles, uh, you, those... you, you know, I remember those battles with y'all, and for us, like, you know, it was with, like, y'all kind of had everything to lose and we had nothing to lose. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were kind of dubbing y'all that next team out the West mm -hmm. to be great and go on and do great things. And so for us, we like, shit, well, every time we play them, we compete at a high level. So if this Hell is the yeah. next team that they're dubbing, you know, the team that they're dubbing to be next up, like, why can't we, we right be there next too. Up? You know, right, and, right. and it was kind of, you know, it was kind of that early stage of like, once again, I'm talking about Blake, where, you know, Blake's a huge deal. And, you know, Steph is coming up, but, you know, Steph came up in North Carolina. CP came up in North Carolina. So they kind of had that relationship, you know, that pre-existing relationship where Steph would work out with CP when he was in college and, you know, CP in the league and all of this stuff. I fucking hated it because to me, <laughs> to me, CP was kind of using that shit to his advantage. You know what I'm saying? Where, you know, CP is a smart guy. Like, I... I don't like CP at all. Like, we don't have a good relationship at all, but I respect his hustle and I respect his IQ. He's smart as hell. Right. And, um, and and CP was kind of using, like, CP saw stuff coming up. And, you know, once you start to get older in this league, you start to realize, like, okay, this guy is coming. Eventually, he may catch me because I'm going to start to decline at some point. And so I would kind of see CP kind of keeping stuff at bay, but yet, fucking giving him a, a stiff arm at the same time. Now, Steph, mm -hmm. you know, Steph mm -hmm. ain't, you know, Steph is Steph. Like, we all love Steph, right? He ain't cut, like, he ain't got the street part to him. And so... He ain't confrontational at all. He ain't yeah, confrontational. Exactly. And so for, with me coming from where I come from and the way I grew up, I'm kind of watching, like, yo, he kind of rock with you, Steph, but he kind of don't. He kind of keeping you at bay. And so... I, I took it upon myself to try to create fucking <laughs> division there because I knew yeah. that if we wanted to win, part. we had to fucking go through them. And if we're going to get through them, we can't get through with with him keeping you at bay. It's just not going right. to fucking happen. And I felt like that was a tactic of CP using that to fucking keep Steph at bay. And once Steph started <laughs> to kind of break out of that and then all of a sudden you all see bad. him and CP get into it, I feel like that's oh, when we really started to take off because we had to go through y'all to get there. Yeah, facts. Yeah. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, 
elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. I mean, he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare oh man i i love hearing that because like i said i don't remember what your comment was but it was something like i'm taking staff all day every day i don't give a fuck what you think about cp blah 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 but i i it's funny to see that was your that was your motive that was your goal because you knew of their uh their existing relationship off the court absolutely that, that, beautiful that was standing mind. in our way i'm not mad at that watching lebron uh year 17 and the fucking amazing season he had him being a personal friend to you what are your thoughts on uh, what he's, how he's playing in year 17 at the level he's been able to sustain? Man, um, LeBron, he incredible, man. Like, incredible. The, like everybody appreciate LeBron, the basketball player and all of that. I appreciate LeBron, the person, but also the discipline that he has. You know, like, you're not able to maintain the level of greatness that he's been able to maintain without the discipline that he has. Like, he got to be one of the most disciplined people and players ever. to ever grace this league. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's why he's been able, what, years 17, 18, been able to maintain this level. It's, it's his discipline. You know, he it's his discipline and commitment to this game. And you know what I'm saying? For me, uh, to, to build a relationship with LeBron, um, you know, it's been a special thing, you know, because I've been able to learn so much from him on and off the court. You know, I kind of, mm-hmm. uh, LeBron is kind of, he's been a trailblazer for for athletes as a whole and the way we think today. Thanks. And, you know, Absolutely. I have an appreciation for that. And to be honest, I try to mock everything he do because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, he set the standard and given us all a playbook to follow. And in sports, we're so we're we're a little fucked up, but you gotta be a little fucked up to do what we do. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. to compete 
the way we compete sometimes with, with friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be able to click it off and hate this motherfucker for 48 minutes and then, like, snap out of it. You know what I'm saying? And, like, right. go on about life. Sick, sicko. So, yeah, and so we got to be a little sick, and we all are, I think. But, uh, and so with LeBron, built, I've been able to build that relationship with him. But at the same time, when we step on the court, we we both mutually know, like, I will lay you the fuck so. out. And, yeah, yeah. And he will fucking run through me. And it mm-hmm. is what it is. And I hate you while we on this court. But because mm-hmm. we trying to get the same thing. We trying to get rings. You know what I'm saying? But, at but the, that's but respect. When, but, but that's the respect players show to each other. You know, we, 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 cool, the, we cool off the court. Everybody know that. But the respect is shown on the court. And you show me respect by trying to take my head off. Because that's the same Facts. way we're supposed to approach the game. Absolutely. Facts. Absolutely. And so for me, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to try to take you out. But then off the court is love. And by the way, I'm trying. It's my hardest to go through your fucking playbook and steal it. Because in sports, you know, as sick as we are to turn that off and on, we're also a little fucked up from the standpoint like, oh, this guy is doing that, but why would I go do that? I'm going to go do this. Right, right. And, you know, like, like I've said it before publicly, the CEO of Apple ain't looking at the CEO of Google like, oh, well, I'm not going to do that because he's doing it. They may right. try to add their own you know, something to their service to make their service better, but they're not trying to go a completely different path. And in sports, mm-hmm. we're almost conditioned. And like, I, I, I spoke on the slave mentality before in sports. We almost mm-hmm. got a slave mentality of like, oh, LeBron's doing this, well, I can't do that. Why the fuck not? Like, <laughs> right. it's, it's proven to be fucking great, and it's proven to be the absolute golden standard of all gold. Why not take that fucking playbook and call him and say, yo, what would you do in this situation? Or why did you do this like this? Or, you know, like, like I, I talked to Brian earlier this year and I'm like, yo, I feel like I noticed that you kind of went from the villain to like just making everything about fun. Like, am I far off there? Like, and he like, I had to do that. I had to do that to refine the love for the game that I had as a kid because that's what drove me my whole life. And then, yeah, being like the villain was cool for a time, but I had to do that. You know what I'm saying? And like, obviously, I've been the villain for a long time, like all my career pretty much. And so just trying to find different ways to pivot. One guy I called is one guy that I've watched, LeBron, do it to a fucking T. Why not call him an accent? But we're so fucked up as athletes at times where it's like, I'm not going to call him and ask that because that's a sign of fucking weakness. Or He's a blueprint, like, dog. If you can't call and ask that, then you are fucking weak and you're trying to cover it up. You're not strong mm-hmm. and like that's fucking not staying strong. You, you're fucking weak strength. and you're trying to cover up your weakness. Mm-hmm. He's a blueprint. LeBron a blueprint. I say it all the time. I say it. So many basketball players, Dre, come along with their homeboys and try to do this, try to put everybody in place. He's the first athlete out of all the athletes that came along from the hood to get it right. He got his homeboys in place. He made sure everybody in the NBA make him out. Like, he's, done, he, he's changed a lot. Uh, a lot in the game and for his own people. And I've seen so many basketball players come along, even myself, that tried to put my people in place and couldn't do it right. So he is definitely the blueprint, bro. And it makes no sense to get information from somebody else when the, when the, when the blueprint is giving away the information. Absolutely, 100%. They built, they, they built a fucking empire. Mm-hmm. And like I mean, just another empire. thing, I, I know you're huge, you saw the same... 
I've, I've heard you speak on it before, understanding the business of basketball, the, 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 mm -hmm. the empowering yourself and what you represent. You're a CEO of your company. And, and like we said, he has laid the, the foundation, unlike any other athlete in the history of the game. You know what I mean? He has laid the foundation of mastering. Although Jordan had his, you know, his Jordans and Kobe was on his path, rest in peace. LeBron has showed mm -hmm. you the business of basketball in several different realms and how being the CEO of my company on this court could open up every door in the world for me. And no one has done that better than he has. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's, like I said, it's completely changed the mindset of the athlete as a whole. Like, not just basketball players. Football players, like athletes as a whole, it's completely changed the mind of an athlete. And it's and once you change the mind, the mind is what gives us power. Knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. And so he's changed the mindset of an athlete, which in turn has given us athletes much more power. And I, I personally don't think he get enough credit for it. Like, yeah, we give him credit because that's how we was raised. It's love. You know what I'm saying? It's love for our brother. But he don't get enough mm -hmm. credit for what he's done. And as much no, credit no, as he gets, he gets credit for being a great basketball player. Fuck that. Like, he fucking changed the mind of an athlete, of the athlete as a whole. And that's special. Right. That's big. That's huge. Talk to us a little bit about, I mean, we talked about, obviously, off the court. Talk to us about on the court, because that was your guys' main, you guys met them in the finals consistently. And, you know, you possibly, you tell me, it could have been, obviously, a three-peat. You don't get kicked out of, of the series. Uh, was, that, was that 16? Yeah, 16. Yeah, you, um, right, you know what I mean? So talk to us about what stood out the most about bat going up against him and Kyrie in, in those battles. Uh, I think, well, first off, I'll just speak on him and Kyrie and their thing. Like, I think they kind of had the perfect thing, you know what I'm saying, and where, like, LeBron is fucking great, you know what I'm saying? He gone the ultimate floor general, you know what I'm saying? He, LeBron can control an entire 48-minute game. He like, is crazy. I mean, we watched him do it against Boston, like, so game six and seven, he played 48 minutes and he controlled the entire pace of the game. But he can do that in any game. Control the entire right. It's absurd. And so, uh, which I think is what makes him so great. But Kyrie being next to him, it kind of took the weight off Kyrie to do anything else. But when I give you the ball to go score, go score. You know what I'm saying? And so I think they kind of had a perfect match. And it, it kind of, you know, it, it happens a lot in sports and music where, you know, someone wants more, like, and you have a match made in heaven, and then all of a sudden it's broken up too early. You know what I'm saying? I think that's kind of what happened in their situation. And being that they kept running up against us, it may have, like, expedited it. Didn't help. It, it didn't right. help. But, uh, yeah, but you know, I, I think they, had, they definitely had a great thing. Kyrie kind of came out and said that this year. Like, yo, I had to call Bron or a year ago or something. Like, yo, I called Bron and said, yo, God, my bad. Like, mm -hmm. And I respect Kyrie for that. But they they had a real good thing going for sure, and Kevin Love with them as well. They, they like they they were a really good team. Um, but you know when when you start to talk about like us meeting in the finals, like yeah, they had no fucking shot at winning in 2016. Like people talk all oh y'all blew a three one lead. Uh, like they was coming back here game five and they didn't have a fucking clue of how they was going to win that game. I got suspended. They win game five. We're going back to Cleveland for game six. Okay, you go back home for game six. It's fucking loud as hell. I'm coming back from a suspension. Like, everything's kind of thrown off. They win game six. All three of us know you go to game seven and it's a fucking coin flipping game. Any game seven. Like, you go no to game where seven, you it's are. a coin. No I don't matter care where you, you play, who game you play, game seven is a Facts. coin flip. Facts. And sure enough, 
the game went down to the wire and Kyrie hit a tough shot. You know what I'm saying? That's game seven. And so, uh, you know, would we have three-peated, though? I can't necessarily say we wouldn't have, we would have three-peated because what I will say is this. In 2016, 2015, we beat the shit out of everybody and nobody had a clue of how to stop us. 2016, things got a little harder, but we were able to figure it out. We won uh, 73 games, but like we had to, we had to move a lot. Like it wasn't just the same exact offense we ran a year before. Like it was like Steve Kerr was playing chess and he was making great moves, but it was, it was always a chess match in 2016. Although we won more games, it, it wasn't as easy. And then we got to the, I mean, you can even remember in 2016, we got to OKC uh, and we were down 3-1. And we kind of switched our matchups back to normal and pretty much said, all right, we're going to, as opposed to making everybody else beat us and, and, and trying to take Kevin and Russ away, everybody else was beating us. Let's make Kevin and Russ beat us and take everybody else away. And it was a fucking chess move by Steve Kerr, and it worked to fucking perfection, and we were able to come back and win that series. And then we go on to the finals, and I get suspended. We were going to win that series. But to say we were going to three-feet, I'm not sure we would have won in 2017 because, Mm. you know, teams have started changing. They were preparing for us, like, watching film on us all summer. And so it was starting to get harder. So because we lost in 2016, we then got Kevin. And once mm-hmm. we got Kevin, we were fucking unstoppable. Right. Even losing last year, Kevin don't get hurt. Like, you can see no, that man. game. He came back in game five. Man, what? I looked up. It yeah. was six minutes to go. We had, like, 40 <laughs> points in the first quarter. And it so, wasn't even a series. It wasn't even yeah, a series. Like, it was over. They wouldn't have stood a chance if Kevin didn't mm-hmm. get hurt. But, you know, no shit happens, and that's a part of the game. You know what I'm saying? Injuries happen. And Kawhi was fucking amazing. You know what I'm saying? Pascal Siakam, they were fucking amazing. But... You know, to go back to 2016 and LeBron, like those matchups in the finals with LeBron and Kyrie and them, and then LeBron by himself, uh, or with Kevin Love and Kyrie's gone, like they were fucking incredible matchups. You know what I'm saying? And we were able to get the better of it, but I don't think we would have lost in 2016. I know we wouldn't have lost. We would have won game five and it would have been over, but shit happens. But 2017 and 18 probably wouldn't have been the same either because getting mm. Kevin played a huge fucking role in that. Huge. You know what I'm saying? Huge. So what, does the dynasty end up going as long as it did? Probably not. You know, but when we got Kevin, it fucking made yeah. it, you know, extended. Started over. Started over. Well, let's Absolutely. get into that because, like I said, you, you got a chance to win without him. 15, 16, you get suspended. You don't win. 17, you get him. And it, it it turned the world upside down. And we had talked to him earlier, uh, earlier I want to say uh, in January maybe, and how how just the world shift. He went from the guy that everyone liked to everyone hated, and he came and joined your guys' team, obviously, with open arms. Talk to me about that run and all the success you guys had, the greatest team ever possibly, and then how it ended and and, and, and how you the, the game you guys got into it and, and how that process ended up into where we are now. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that was that was great. You know what I'm saying? Like, for me, as a competitor, I'm always looking for that next way to get better. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, when I signed my contract, my first or my second contract, per se, for eight, five years, 82, at the time, my, my agent was B.J. Armstrong. And B.J., when we met, he had the book, you know, like, 
of everybody's books in the in the league, their salary sheet. And when he when we met, he showed me. He said, "All right, here's y'all salary. Here's everybody else's salary, and here you are. Now you can take the max, and that's fine. Or next year." flips to OKC, this guy is up. And what I can tell you is there's a chance y'all can get him. Mm. And so I'm like, what, really? And he like, there's a chance y'all can get him. He's like, but Dre, I'm going to tell you, just know that just, you know, y'all can use him and it'll be great for y'all. And just as much as y'all need him, he needs y'all too. And so don't think like, oh, like, the world ends for y'all. Like, you won a championship, and, like, y'all can get him. We had just won in 15. That's when I signed the deal. He's like, but just as much as you would like to have him or y'all may need him in the future, he needs y'all too. And so I'm like, well, shoot, all right. Here's what you can take, and y'all still be able to get him. And so my max was $96 million. He's like, you can take $85 million and y'all still be able to get Kevin Durant. So then he gave me a blank sheet of paper and he like, write down your number, what you want. I so this was, hold on, hold on, real quick. Was, so this was before, the year before you were able to get him, correct? This is 2015. Wow, early, early. Ooh. Yeah, this is after we won a championship in 2015. I'm okay. already looking how can we get better and how can we win more championships? I'm already on that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I always see the story of like, oh, Draymond lost and cried to Kevin in the car. First off, I ain't crying to no man. First off. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, my mind was already on this a whole year before. Like, because I'm always looking to get better. You don't win a championship and get stagnant. You get caught. Right, And right. so... Write down your number. So I wrote down 82 on a white blank sheet of paper. He's like, okay, you sure you want 82? Your max is 96. You can get 85. I'm like, 82 is cool. Just 82, just give me 82. He said, okay, circle it. But if you're circling, I'm leaving this room and we're going to get 82. I circled it. He took the paper and walked out. It was a little standoff for a minute with the Warriors. They didn't kind of want to budge off 70. And then an hour or two later, once I was about to start, I started talking to another team, and it was done. Mm-hmm. Now, we played that year. We went 73, all of this, the series. So when we lost in game seven, I'm immediately like, shit, what's the next move? How do we get better? Oh, fuck, Kevin Durant's a free agent. So I leave. I hit him up like, yo, what's up? He like, shit, hey, I'm ready. And I'm like, say less, we're ready. Like, let's fucking do it. I talked to Steph, this, that, and other. I talked to Clay. Let's do it. So then, uh, after I talked to Kevin, you know, a week passed by or whatnot, and I talked to Clay and Steph again. I'm like, yo, and Andre, like, I put them all in group chat. And Sean, like, yo, y'all really want to get Kevin? Because I think we can get him. And they like, yeah, hell yeah, we want them. Say less, let's do it. So we rock out, we get them. 2017, we start the season, and Steph and Steph and Clay, not not Steph and Clay, 
Clay is Clay. Clay gonna just fucking shoot. That's what Clay do. Clay ain't fucking not shooting for nobody. That's <laughs> facts. Like I, Clay takes some shots at times. I'll be like, yo, Clay, what the fuck? That's a dumbass shot. He said, Dre, they fucking paid me to shoot. Say less, Clay, go ahead. So facts. So Clay gonna just shoot. But Steph and Kevin, obviously, they do more with the ball than Clay. You know what I'm saying? And so they're kind of deferring to each other the beginning of that season. Like, oh, you take it, oh, you take it. And it was fucking us up. You know what I'm saying? And mm. so because and so Christmas Day come around and we play the calf. And Kyrie hit the little shimmy over Clay from the block. And it's like, oh, deja vu, Kyrie hits the game winner. But we were still kind of figuring it out that Christmas Day. And um, after that Christmas Day game, Kevin told Steph, like, yo, I need you to fucking play. Like, just be you. I'm good. I'll be all right. I'll get my shot. I'll get the ball. Just go fucking play and do what you do. I don't need you to defer to me. I'm good. Right. When Kevin told Steph that, Steph turned up, Kevin was being Kevin, and we fucking, that's when we took off. And we oh, ended up man. playing the Cavs that that January, um, Martin Luther King Day, and we beat the ass by 40 or 50. And, mm-hmm. and it was just like, okay, now this is what we've been waiting on. Now at this point, when does June get here? Finals is won, this shit's over. Kevin's happy as hell, like, not complaining about nothing, like, just enjoying playing good basketball. And every interview you watch, it's like, yo, I just want to play good basketball. I am now enjoying playing basketball and being with this team. Everything right. was fucking great. You know what I'm saying? And we win a championship. Kevin went finals MVP. He fucking, in my opinion, he, he, he got the best LeBron that series. Like, Kevin was fucking rocking. And, um, and we go on. And honestly, you turn on, like, after that, that was kind of that moment of like, damn, Kevin should be the best player in the NBA now because of what he just did to LeBron. And it's like you turn on the, the TV the next day, and every like the, the fucking headline is LeBron James still the best player in the world, question mark. You got Stephen A., you got all these people debating it, and everybody still saying LeBron James is the best player in the world. That's when I kind of felt like it took a turn, and then we came back. 2017, 2018 season. And Kevin just wasn't as happy. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't as like, Steph, do what you do. Clay, do what you do. All of a sudden, it was kind of just like, fuck, why why Steph shooting this shot? Or fuck, he ain't passed the ball. Or why Clay shooting this shot? Or fuck, why he ain't passed the ball? And I'm just sitting there like, yo, that's the same Clay and Steph I've always played with. Like, they ain't playing no different than they've always playing. And I know those two guys, they definitely not looking you off. You know what I'm saying? They may not see you because they fucking got tunnel vision at times, which most <laughs> scores do got tunnel vision at times, and that's why they are great scores. But they ain't going to never just fucking look you off. I done played with them since I came into this league. That ain't who they are. But, right. like, all of a sudden, everything became an issue. You know what I'm saying? And so it's kind of at this point of, like, that fucking season, I know you probably remember David West saying, like, y'all don't know the amount of shit that happened for us when we went back to back. Like, y'all don't know the amount of shit that we had to fucking go through this year to win this championship. This is fucking amazing that we were able to pull it off. Because it was all just everybody bumping heads. All of a sudden, like, 
Kevin and Steve is like this now. All of a sudden, you know, Steph or Clay or somebody like, like take a shot and it's a problem now. And it wasn't that the year before. It was just like, yo, I'm playing good basketball. I'm happy. And then they kind of changed. You know what I'm saying? And so we went through that whole season. It was tough. And I'm talking to Bob Myers. I'm like, yo, I don't think Kevin coming back here. And, you know, Kevin has said to me once before, like, they keep this bullshit up. I'll get out of here. You know what I'm saying? Me and Kay was real close. You know, so I'm always in between everybody talking him off the ledge, fucking telling Steph, like, yo, we need to get Kay in touch. Like, you know, me and Andre would kind of be that guy. Like, yo, Kevin ain't had a touch in fucking 10 plays. Let's get, let's call some sets for him. Because Clay and Steph running rampant right now. And that's what they do. And that's what make them great. So ain't nobody ever going to stop them from running rampant. But at times, like Andre or myself or Sean, you just have to dial them back in. Like, that's a part of playing with mm-hmm. them. It is what it is. Right. And it wasn't a problem in 2017, but now 2018 is always an issue. And so that was a challenge, you know what I'm saying? And like, just trying to figure out, like, how is Kevin going to react to certain shit? You know what I'm saying? That that would happen with the team or that Steve Kerr would do, like, Steve Kerr would call a play for him, and he'd be like, I don't fucking want you to call a play. I want you to fucking make them play the right way. And it's like, yo, what are you talking about? Like, you you say you need the ball and you want the ball, but then when I call a play for you, it ain't that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so what is it? It's it's obviously a much bigger problem than just you getting the ball. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, we go on 2018, however we win it. Now, I'm like, yo, I don't think he's coming back. But the thought of three-peating, no one does that. You got the Lakers, you got fucking Bulls a couple times, you got the Celtics, I think. Like, no one three-peats. And so, and the Spurs, as great as they were, never three-peated. I don't even think they ever won a back-to-back. But they never three-peated. So, never like, no three-peated. one does that. So, the thought of that is like, shit, let's go run this motherfucker back and three-peat. And so, I think he came back because of that. But his heart wasn't here no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was kind of one foot in and one foot out from the very beginning of the season in, in 2019. It's 20, 2019, kind of one foot in, one foot out. But the one thing about Kevin is he loved a game of basketball, and he's going to give it 100% every fucking time he step on the floor. I don't give a fuck if it's a game, if it's a workout. Like that dude, when he work out, I don't know if y'all – I know, mm. Matt, you have stack. You probably mm-hmm. have. And the world, I'm sure, haven't. But if you watch this dude work out, every Incredible. rep he do is fucking Incredible. game speed. Like, yeah. to watch that man much. work out. And he don't no, miss much. Like, Crazy. To watch him fucking work out is, like, mesmerizing. Like, the fucking heart. Like, as a basketball player, you and I, all three of us know, to go every rep, game speed, in a fucking workout, it's just not uh, realistic. Yeah. Like, it's not realistic. But he does. Mm-hmm. I mean, and... Every fucking rep I've ever seen him doing work is game fucking speed. Like, it's crazy. And so the one thing you could always depend on is no matter what, once he step on, on the court, he's going to bust his ass because that's just who he is, that he work his ass off. But it was kind of always commotion all year. And so beginning of the year, I told Bob and Steve, I'm like, yo, I'm struggling with Kevin right now. He kind of not here like... I need some help. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying and it's frustrating. I need some help. And everybody's like, yeah, okay. You know what I'm saying? We understand. We get it. All right, cool. But nobody did shit. 
And so I'm kind of stuck in this position of like, yo, I, I told y'all I need some help. And like, she getting tougher and tougher. He kind of one foot in and one foot out. But I, right. and so we go on, we playing the Clippers. And now at this point, like, you know how I am, like, I'm a roll with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll fucking take the bullet for you. I'm a fucking, I'll take the heat in the media for you. I'll take the suspension for you. I'll take the fine. I'll take the tech. I'm going to take whatever for my guys. But in return, all I need from you is just to know that you with me. I don't need you to step in front of me. I just need to know you with me. And long as you with me, I'll take the bullet. I'll do whatever. Right. And so, you know, we, we go on. And then in that Clipper game, we coming down to the stretch. When I get the rebound, what do I do? I get the rebound. I push the ball. I find one of them. You know what I'm saying? So I get the rebound. I take off. Clapping loud as shit. I'm like, yo, come on. I'm taking off. I'm going. I start to cross over and go across court. And in my mind, I'm already thinking like, oh, he trailing. I'm about to cross over and take this guy standing here. And I'm going to just flip it back. He going to step into a three. He stepped into a three. His game over. We out of here. <laughs> he kind of, he kind of, he stood back there clapping and kind of moseying up. So when I go across, I'm waiting to flip. He kind of not there, and I turn it over, and we go into overtime. He come to the bench and he slapped the bench like, "Yo, pass me the fucking ball." And I'm like, "Yo, what?" Like. I fucking crossed across, like, running sideways across the top of the three-point line. I'm not, clearly not about to fucking shoot. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, fucking run then. And he like, you heard what the fuck I said and slaps the chair. Pass me the fucking ball. So when he say, like, he's doing all that, I'm like, yo, you better, like, calm the fuck down. I don't know who the fuck you talking to. And then that's kind of where it went from, like, when I'm like, I remember, I'm, I already know, like, I got the post of this team. I got the post of the organization. I already know you one foot in and one foot out. By the way, I'm the closest person here to you. Like, when you have a problem with shit going on in your life, the person you talk to here is me. Like, when I'm struggling with something, I talk to you. Like, we got that relationship. So I already know you one foot in and one foot out. Everybody else may not know, or it may be a secret to them, but I know. I got the post. And so... That's where it all, like, I'm like, yo, who the fuck you think you talking to? Like, nigga, I've been an all-star before you got here. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, I've been doing this. Don't talk to me like I'm one of these little dudes that just don't know how to hoop. I'm a grown-ass man. I've been doing this before you got here. You need to calm the fuck down. And that's when he like, and then he start cussing back, and I'm cussing back, and then DeMarcus pulled me out of the huddle. And like, yo, calm down. Like, I feel where you're coming from, but relax. Like, it's too much. But at this point now, I'm fucking furious. We going to overtime. We ain't saying a word to each other. I think we lost that game. And, you know, we moved forward, and it just wasn't right. And so I met with Steve Kerr and Bob Myers when we landed. And they're like, they, they meet with me. My fiance was on the team playing with us. So she's sitting in the car. I turn the heat on. She's sitting in the car. I'm thinking the meeting going to be quick. She fucking sleep in the car. I'm in the meeting at the airport terminal for like an hour and 45 minutes with them. And they're pretty much telling me like, you were wrong, you apologized. And my thing to them was, I told y'all this. Like, so yeah, it boiled over. 
but this shouldn't be no surprise to nobody. Like I told y'all what it was, was coming. and nobody did nothing. I told y'all this was coming. And so when that happened, they were like, kept telling me like, yo, you need to apologize. And I'm like, I'm not fucking apologizing. Like he one foot in and one foot out. I meant what I said. I'm not fucking apologizing for something I meant to say. You know what I'm saying? And like, I'm not apologizing. So after an hour and 45 minutes, they like, you go home, you meet us in the morning, you sleep on it, maybe you'll feel different. And we meet, and they like, so you gonna apologize? And I'm like, I'm not apologizing. Like, so then Steve tell me like, all right, well, we're gonna suspend you for tonight's game. We played the Hawks that night. We was on the back-to-back. We're gonna suspend you for tonight's game. So Bob said it. I started laughing. And he's like, well, that's not the response I expected you to have. I'm like, well, <laughs> I feel like I feel like y'all suspending me to try to save Kevin. You know what I'm saying? To try to like make him feel good. Cause that's bullshit. I ain't never seen no player get suspended for arguing with another player. So y'all really trying to save him. It is funny to me. He was like, yeah, that's the wrong approach you're taking, or that's like that's not the reaction. I said, well, here's the thing. I'm either cuss you out for this or I'm going to laugh about it. I'm choosing to laugh because this is actually <laughs> funny to me that y'all suspended me for arguing with a player. So I'm going to just laugh about it because it's actually funny. So that means then I go home, whatever. But I told them, I said, y'all going to make a mistake suspending me because the only person that can fix this is me. Like, y'all can't fix it. Y'all suspending me ain't going to fix it. The only person that can fix it is me. And by the way, y'all are going to affect everybody else in the organization more than y'all affect me by suspending me. Everybody else going to be affected. Not me. I'll be fine. I've been suspended before. I'll be all right. I know how to deal with this. Everybody else not going to know how. In turn, I got suspended. They still did it. Sure enough, I still had to correct it. So nothing happened. Like, I got fine. And yet, I was still the one that had to go back and fix the problem. And so I kind of patched it up, you know what I'm saying, made it better. But it was never the same after that. But to me... It was never, it wasn't the same before that. You know what I'm saying? So like, it was very easy to, for, you know, for Kevin to say, oh, it wasn't the same after that. But as someone who had the pulse of this team and still, you know, the pulse of this organization, it wasn't the same before that. And it hadn't been the same for at least a year. At this point, it just had gone from bad to worse. But we were so talented that the outside world couldn't tell that there was problems. Mm. Only we could tell because we would still beat the shit out of everybody because we, we fucking got three of the best scorers in the league. Like, right. of course, everybody else can't tell because we're still going to win. And we, of course, we can fucking defend. So, yeah, we're just fine. And we may be the exception of, like, you can't win not on the same page. We may be that exception, you know what I'm saying? Because we were just so fucking talented and we were still able to win games. But by the play- by the time the playoffs came, we were trying to correct it, but it still wasn't right. And then I think game two of the Clippers series, uh, which was Kevin's last year here, game two of that series, he kind of quit and just was standing in the corner frustrated. And that's, it, it literally took some people that long to notice like, yo, something wrong with him. And I'm like, yo, this is the same thing I said in November. And now everybody want to come to me like, yo, what's wrong with Kevin or what's this or what's that? And I'm like, the fuck are y'all talking about? Like, this, I said this in December or November, whenever that was. November. Y'all just now seeing this? 
it took for him to go stand in the corner and not want the ball for y'all to finally see that it ain't the same. I, I saw this shit a year ago. And so my whole thing with the Kevin situation was like, it's easy to point the finger and say, oh, Draymond did this or, you know, like, it wasn't the same for me once he said that. I, what I will say is me and Kevin relationship wasn't the same when that happened. But ain't shit changed from Kevin, the basketball player. Me and him just ain't right. had the same closeness that we had off the floor. But it ain't changed him as a basketball player. And to even take it a step further, it's like, oh, Kevin left because of Draymond. Like, listen, man, I've done a lot for this organization. Helped win three titles. Helped get the five titles back. I grew up in this organization. Bob Myers, I consider a great friend. I consider Bob a mentor. And Bob is somebody that I'll talk to, like, after he leaves Golden State or after I leave Golden State or whether I retire here or whether he retire here, whatever. I'm going to talk to Bob no matter what, forever. Like, he's a friend of mine, somebody that I trust, his opinion, somebody that understands me, like, who helped me through life, almost like a life coach. We're great friends. But one thing I know about Bob Two things is, A, he's a very honest person. One that Bob is one of those people that he don't know how to lie. Like, he can try to lie to you. He don't know how to lie. He going he gonna to try to lie to you and fuck around and tell you the truth that you probably can't bear. But that's just Bob. And if you know Bob, you got to be able to take that. So being that he's a great friend and all of that, this is fucking Kevin Durant we talking about. Like, yeah, I've done right. great things here. But let me tell you this. I know Bob. And if it was such a big deal with Kevin being here and me being here, if Kevin really wanted to be here, all, all he would have done is went and said to Bob, like, yeah, I'll be, I'll stay, but Draymond got to go. Yeah. And guess what? Bob Myers would have called me and said, Draymond, I love you, and I won't trade you to a bad team, but where do you want to go? Because I'll help you get to where you want to go. Mm. And so to try to, you know, point the finger and say, oh, man, I left because of him. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, and I still love K, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, his his feelings about me may not be the same, but I'll ride for him for the rest of my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I got that type of love for that brother. You know what I'm saying? But but you ain't leave because of me. Like, you fucking Kevin Durant. If you wanted to be here, I would have been out if I was the issue. Yeah. I would have been mm-hmm. long gone. And guess who would have understood that? You. I understand that. I, I, like, I understand <laughs> the business of basketball. I understand right. how this shit works. If Kevin Durant right. want to be somewhere and he don't want me here, I'm out. So the whole, you know, the whole narrative of like he left because of me, like I haven't said much about it all year. You know what I'm saying? I just kind of let people talk. You know what I'm saying? But if I'm going to talk about it, I'm going to talk about it with two two people, two brothers I respect. You know what I'm saying? Which is yeah, y'all we two. appreciate it. And we get, appreciate it, get it real. But he ain't fucking leave because of me. He was one foot in and one foot out. And mm-hmm. he left because he wanted to leave. Because if he mm-hmm. wanted to be here and me being here was an issue, I would have been out. And that's just the real. Mm-hmm. Tell me what it's been like trying to navigate Truth, uh, you you kind of touched on it, Dre. You said you just sat back when a lot of like bullshit was told, fake stories, shit you know wasn't true. To kind of just sit back and take that, and and because it's hard to do, and not a lot of people could do it. Speak on that. Not only just uh, well, in the Kevin, not only in the Kevin situation, but just overall. I mean, you've had so much negative stuff, and you're this and you're that. And like I said, being on the inside, we know what you mean to that franchise, and they obviously know what you mean. 
but explain how you were able to navigate through all the bullshit that was said about you or lies said about you by the media. Oh, well, I think for me, um, you know, I, I kind of always take the approach of like, and, and it's kind of been me my whole life of like, I'd rather you than me. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'd rather you be good and like they tell the good story about you and tell the bad one for me, about me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can take that. Like, you know, some people may need people to praise them to feel good. You know what I'm saying? Or like, may need that to boost their confidence. People praising me don't do nothing for me. You know, and so... Um, you know, for, for me personally, it's just been kind of like, I'll take the bullet and I'm not about to get in a, a back and forth with y'all about what you may think. Because one thing I also know is like, to change, like, you're not just changing somebody's mind. Like, what people think is what they think and it is what right. it is. So why would I waste my time trying to tell people what the truth is or tell people how they should feel or what they should see? Like, that's your own business. And if that's mm -hmm. what you see, then then it is what it is. And so, you know, I've never really kind of got all off into that. Like, I, I'm the same I'm the same person that used to get in trouble by my mom because I'll give, like, a kid my last dollar. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, stop giving somebody your last dollar. I'm like, well, mom, I don't need it. Like, I'll go find another dollar. Like, they needed that dollar. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so that's just kind of how I am to my core. That's who I've always been. And, you know what I'm saying? Then you start to build relationships with certain people and once you build a relationship, then my heart really take over. You know, so I got a big heart. And so once I build a relationship with you, I'm really going to take the fall for you and take the bullet and let you just keep going. You know what I'm saying? And so right. whether it's the truth or what everybody believe or not, then that's their truth and let them believe that. You know what I'm saying? Whether you know the real truth or not is one thing. But what one thing for me is like who who need to know the real truth, which is other people who may be involved or whatever, they know the real truth. And that's enough for me. You know what I'm saying? That's mm -hmm. enough gratification for me. That's enough for me to feel good that I'm helping somebody else. It's the same way in basketball. It's like, I get more out of getting an assist than scoring a point. Like, I feel right. like when mm -hmm. I get an assist, I scored the point because I helped somebody else score. And so, no. that's just kind of how I always been. I ain't, you know, I'm not going to fight for somebody to see it my way or believe what I believe or to even know the truth. Like, if that's your truth, that's your truth. Go ahead and roll with it. Facts. Uh, 2018, um, kind of started a beef between, or you didn't start it, but a beef was started between you and Charles Barkley. Um, talking about he would have punched you in the face on some shit after you got into a rondo. You go back in the mm -hmm. post game and motherfucking punch me then. <laughs> Talk to me about what that has been like because... It, it, it's interesting and I'm <laughs> but me like on the inside we have a perspective too but talk to me about what that shit is like I'm oh, laughing at Dre I'm laughing I'm just laughing at Dre's reaction dog I was like, I seen his face <laughs> that's why I had to I, I had to I had to look away cause I seen his face I had to look away so I didn't laugh <laughs> I got a lot of respect for Charles Barkley, the basketball player, man. As a fan of basketball growing up, Charles Barkley was a great basketball player. Um, he never won shit. And, like, <laughs> you know, uh, his Charles Barkley has kind of had this beef with me since I started coming up. You know what I'm saying? Since I started coming up in this league, it's always him throwing a shot, throwing a shot, throwing a shot. And for years... Mm -hmm. I didn't respond, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, whatever, you know, Charles Barkley's a great player. Like, I'm not going to respond, whatever. And it's just keep throwing a shot, throwing a shot. Honestly, it's jealousy. 
You know what I'm saying? It's jealousy that somebody the same size as him or smaller uh, could come in the league and have the success I had, make the money I've made, win the championships I've won. These are all things that Charles Barkley wasn't able to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, now granted, he made a lot of money for his time, but mm. you and I both know the money has changed, or all three of us know, oh. the money has changed in this league. It's not the same. Tremendously. And so it's not my fault that I benefited from the money going up and I came in the era and that's when my mom birthed me to come up in this era that, you know, I've made more money than you. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, I, I Charles Barkley is kind of like a lot of these fans. Like, he scored more points than me. All right, cool. You know what I'm saying? But that don't necessarily mean you have more impact on a game than me. And so, right. you know, I right. can, I can kind of, you know, I feel like it's just a lot of jealousy involved. And for me personally, I just hope to never be that guy. You know what I'm saying? As someone who may do TV or, you know, after I'm done playing, like, I just don't never want to be that guy. Like, I'm always the mm-hmm. guy trying to look out for the young guy, throw the young guy a bone. Like, I'm like, yeah, speak the truth on basketball. You know what I'm saying? Speak the facts. But I think we all know, and it's no secret, that Charles Barkley don't study basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Charles Barkley get up there and talk out the side of his neck. You know what I'm saying? If he, <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't have an issue with somebody critiquing my game. You're like, I'm right. a fucking right. athlete. Like, of course somebody going to critique my, critique my game all you want, because guess what? As I got flaws in my game and my job, my profession, so does everybody else in their We all do. Yeah, we all do. So critique my game, but he like to throw shots and shit. And it's like, bro, the jealousy got to stop. Like, I'm a young black man that came up after you. You essentially paved the way. Appreciate the, the way that you paved and stop fucking hating. You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. that's kind of my thing with Charles Barkley. You know what I'm saying? It ain't beef. Because if it was beef, I've seen Charles Barkley a million times. Like, he ain't never swore. Yeah, it ain't big. Like, you yeah, ain't, it ain't never big. done shit. You know what I'm saying? But you just sit up there talking out the side of your net. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of similar to like, I mean, it's not similar from a jealousy standpoint of like money because we know it ain't that or like fame or championships because we know it ain't that. But it was like Shaq with JaVale McGee when he kept making fun of him and JaVale kind of came out and was like, yo, like you're affecting my career. I respect yeah. the fuck out of Shaq. He pulled back because he like, damn, all right, respect. You know what I'm saying? And so I respect that. And I just, you know what I'm saying? That's why I got a lot of respect for y'all and a lot of respect. Steve Smith, like some of the older guys, Shaq, Kenny. Yeah. Like, guys show love, man. Like, we all young black men who most of us that made it out the hood to yep. make millions of dollars, to be able to provide for our family, to be able to provide for others, you know, through donations and smiles that you put on other people's faces. And yet you got another black man who's paved the way essentially just fucking hating like i hate trying to try to guys. yeah trying to make you trying to make you the butt of his jokes all the time yeah like i hate when older guys who's been through it start fucking hating like you know we all talk about this fraternity and this brotherhood that the nba is but yet we'll get up there and like shit on each other and like yeah like you said try to make the butt of the joke if you're critiquing basketball man do what you gotta do i respect that you know what i'm saying right. if you gotta say somebody fucking sucks say that you know what i'm saying like there's a way of critiquing basketball and not trying to shit on someone and he just no, always trying to shit like he's he's he, uh, we we deal with that enough from the media in general exactly to deal with that from one of your own you know what i'm saying so right. it just bothers me that like 
from one of your own, you have to deal with the same bullshit that you have to deal with from a lot of people. Yeah. When, hey, bro, you was that same guy that they did the same shit to. You should understand it differently, but yet you get up there and hate and talk out the side of your fucking neck. I just don't respect yeah. that. And so yeah. it's no beef. I just don't have, I, I don't have respect for that because we're one in the same and yet you get up there fucking hating like that. Like, bro, show love, give back to the guy who came after you. I'm, Pete Myers told me uh, my first or second year in the league, my assistant coach, he said, Draymond, your job is to get paid for the next young dude to get paid. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And so I embody that and I, I just don't respect the fucking hating that he does and like trying to show guys up like, bro, you had your time and it was fucking great. As a basketball player, I appreciate you. I watched you when I was growing up. Like, I appreciate you as a basketball player. But as a fucking hater, I just got no respect for that. That was the one, the, the, the one way I, I think you hit it on the head perfect. The way I always looked at it from the beginning was we, we got to take enough of this shit from motherfucking fans that don't know shit and then media who's never played to understand what it takes every day, day in, day out, off-season, regular season, what it takes to be in this position. Although, yes, he was a great. But for, to, for me to o see any kind of older player, you may think it, you may this, but just to get on TV and, and blatantly just be disrespectful, that's where you lost me because Charles is supposed to know like what this motherfucking grind is about and how much outside bullshit we have to take. So to get it from one of our own is, you can miss me with that shit. That, that, that's, that's what I don't agree with. Absolutely. I, I think if you, you could probably put, put, somebody could put a compilation together of all the shit that Charles Barkley has said about me since I started to come up. And I guarantee you, you play that shit, it's just hate. Like, it, it's not, <laughs> like, it's, it's not critiquing fucking basketball. God don't even watch the games. Like, it's just fucking hate. But, you know what I'm saying? It, it is what it is. Like, it ain't, you know, it ain't no, Love lost on my end. Like I, I respect you as a basketball player, but I can't respect you as a as a as a as a black trailblazer. You know what I'm saying? I can't I can't respect you as that because I watch you constantly hate on young black men that came after you. And it's not, you know, and, and a lot on myself. And I feel like he got the same problem with me that a lot of people in the world has. It's like how the fuck has he made so much money? How the fuck has he been an all-star? How the fuck has he had this much success, and he don't score 20, 25 points. Well, it is, hey, hey, it is what it, it is. Hey, 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 well, look, we, we, the, we, we, the, we the only race that, that uh, crucify each other when we not even guilty for shit. Like, one thing I like what love about our show and me and Matt, and we thank for, to have guests like you, our aim was never to bring people on our show to demean them to make us look good. You know what I'm saying? We were we are players that didn't have that outlet when we were playing to speak our minds when people was bashing us in the media and making us look like something we wasn't. So, mm -hmm. so I hate I hate when brothers especially feel like that they got to demean somebody else to make themselves look good when really to the real ones you look like shit. You know what I'm saying? And and I, and, and as players, a lot of players go through that. And I'm glad that we have the platform so you can come over here and speak this real and people can really mm -hmm. see how you look at situations. Facts. Absolutely, man. I appreciate this platform because no. y'all know we, we, we need shit like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where yeah. We don't quite get this often. And, you know, like this platform uninterrupted with, that Maverick Carter and LeBron started, mm -hmm. we get to tell our story. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And we get to control the narrative. So many times we stuck, we telling a story and we answering one question and what's written is something, what's written is a question exactly. they wanted to 
to take the answer to a completely different question and put yep. it on the answer they want. And then it's not necessarily our words. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. I appreciate y'all for understanding that we need this. Yeah. No, we, mm -hmm. that was our goal when we talked about this, you know, because obviously I think there was a misconception of who me and Jack was. Jack was labeled a thug because he helped his teammate. He also got in a couple shootouts and did a couple other things, but he was labeled a thug. <laughs> <laughs> I got a label for doing what I did on the court and off the court, whatever. But it was such a misconception who we were. So I, I've loved all of our interviews, but there's certain interviews such as this one for you to be able to speak your truth because I know you well. You know, we talk. And like I said, I see a lot of me and Jack in you and vice versa. So for you to be out there, come out here and tell your truth and, 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 and humanize yourself to a standing to just show you, you carry yourself, although you're a three-time champion, all-star division, you carry yourself like a regular man. You, like, you don't yep. think you're no better than no one else. You just, you, you're a good person, you know? So to, to me, I, I, I take it to heart because when I hear people talk about my friends, I'm ready to fight for them just like everyone else in this chat is. But I think there's such a misconception of who Draymond Green really is, and I'm glad that you took the time with us to kind of tell your side because too often, like you said, you're not someone that really gives a fuck if everyone else knows, but it's good for everyone else to know what kind of person you are because I think there is a misconception of who you are. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. You know, it's like you said, I don't say it often, you know, but it, it do feel good to, you know, get that off my chest or certain, yeah. you know, certain shit off my chest a little bit. Mm -hmm. I kind of just internalize everything, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'll be cool. It is what it is. But, you know, that that is, that is a good feeling. Yeah. All right. We're coming down to quick hitters. But one quick before we hit our quick hitters, talk to us about DeMarcus Cousins, someone you battled against, someone I played Boogie. with. Um, you know, great dude. Another a misunderstood person for him to be able to come to you guys off a fucked up injury, all the shit he went through to try to bring himself back on the court, for them to not win the championship, him to move on and get hurt again. Talk to us what that relationship was like with him and, and, and how you saw his up and down roller coaster go. Uh, we've kind of always had a pretty good relationship. We play against each other. We get into it, you know, every mm -hmm. time. Uh, right. And off the court, <laughs> it was always love. You know what I'm saying? But there was always a mutual respect there. And then we played in the, in the Olympics together in 2016 and we built an even bigger bond. Uh, then the opportunity came where, you know, things weren't going the way he's planned and we had the opportunity to get him. And Bob Myers called me. I think I was in Santorini, Greece and uh, having dinner. And I'm like, yo, I got to take this call. And he's like, yo, we can get the mark. He's like, Draymond. He's, all, he's like out of breath, like Draymond. You'll never believe what's going on back here. But we can get DeMarcus Cousins. I'm like, Bob, what? Like, he's like, we can get DeMarcus Cousins. Like, would you want? I'm like, hell yeah. Like, he's like, all right. Well, he think you and Kevin may not like him because of him and Kevin getting into it this year. So you may have to call him. Let me know. So <laughs> hour go by. He like, I need to call him. I call him like, yo, what's up? Let's do it. And, you know, and he ended up coming here. Uh, DeMarcus is one of those people who is extremely misunderstood. You know what I'm saying? A big, he a big kid. He a big kid. With, uh, and and for, for lack of a better term, and I mean absolutely no disrespect by it, he a big teddy bear. Like, yeah, man, for he real. He love people. He gonna take great care dude. of people. He gonna great do dude. like right by everybody. Like, he he's a great person, man. He's so misunderstood because once again, how he played a game of basketball, how he do his job, how he do what he love. He wears emotions on his sleeve and where it sometimes boil over 
like people judge him and try to make him out to be this bad person and create their own narrative. DeMarcus is a great person, man, a great player. And honestly, you know what's what's I can't wait to see him get back to where he was. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. he, for a long time, the best, and still to this day, because that don't talent don't change. He's one of the most talented players in the NBA. Mm. Like, mm. I mean, a fucking great, great talent, and it's completely misunderstood. And uh, and and really, a part of a huge part of the misunderstanding is people are fucking fear, fearful. Like, there's some scary ass people in this world. And they're fucking afraid of him. So as opposed to getting mm-hmm. to know him, mm, talk on it. They put their hands up, they're fearful, and then they create this narrative of who they want him to be. As mm-hmm. opposed to really getting to know him, the person, taking the time. I mean, even you look at years in Sacramento, bunch of different coaches. The one coach that got to know him was Mike Malone. Mm-hmm. And guess mm-hmm. what? They were on their way to the playoffs and Mike Malone got fired. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, People are so fucking afraid of people that and of these narratives that's already been painted that they then just throw people right in the box that everyone else is trying to throw them into as opposed to getting to know him. Like, is he right. competitive as hell? Yes. Does his emotions get the best of him at times? Yes. So does a lot of the rest of us, you know, but all and, of us uh, and for for. Everybody else is just not seen in front of millions of people, right? Like, so your emotions get to spill over in the comfort of your own home or right. the world in sees an ours. office by yourself with the door closed. You know what I'm saying? He mm-hmm. just happened to be in front of millions of people on this stage where everybody's writing about it and creating these narratives. But it's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? He's one of the best people I know. And mm-hmm. you know, they can create whatever narrative they want about him in basketball. I'm rolling with him because he's a good right. person. And it's very right. hard in this world today to find good people. Mm-hmm. Facts. Facts. That's beautifully said, man. Beautifully said. All right, last portion right here, man. Our quick hitter questions. We're going to ask you questions back and forth. You just answer them, and we're going to wrap this motherfucking interview up. It's been an amazing interview, man. So thank you for all the time. This is probably one of our longer interviews, man, but you've kept us entertained. So home stretch. We can do this shit all day with Dre, man. I appreciate Facts. y'all. I need to light a joint right now. My high, my high is gone. (laughs) But speaking of that, real quick before we get a quick, what is your your position on cannabis in sports? Uh, Well, I think, you know, when you start to really do the, uh, you know, do the research and, you know, look at all the things, like the one thing I do know is all these painkillers that they give us to get through Mm. the season. Mm. That ain't it. It ain't it. Like, you know, they give us all these anti-inflammatories and, like, there, there, there's people get tore off shot. If there's mm. a shot that can make you feel nothing for six to eight hours, <laughs> you can be completely fucked up it's and go play a whole game and not feel it. And by the way, after that motherfucker wore off, you feel like you got hit by a truck. Man, the next day. you addicted. You addicted. You addicted. Don't that man. thing can't be good for me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so, you know, I look at it like, like, after all the research that's been done, it's it's now legalized in I don't know maybe over half the states. I don't, I don't know the numbers. I don't study it. You know, but if, if you're if you're going to continue to give guys Toradol shots and anti-inflammatories like something got to give because it has not proven to be Mm -hmm. as bad as that and that Mm -hmm. is one thing I know for sure 
Okay. Hasn't proven to have the same side effects that that shit have. So, right. you know. So you're, you're pro. They tell, Here we they, go. They, you know, they, they talk about you get too many Toradol shots and. Kill your liver. It start to affect your kidneys and your kidneys, liver. Kidneys, like, livers, right. Right. Well, it Both hasn't proven to do that. So right. I don't, uh, you know, I I think, you know, a lot of, and, and a lot of rules we go, you know, we go by our old and outdated. Right. And a lot of people be afraid to be accept the change to, to change that or to even accept the change. Accept it. And, uh, you, you know, when, when we look at our league as a whole um, and I know they're having the conversations and I've seen Adam talking about it publicly. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen. That's beautiful. Hello, um, man. All right. Can I say hi? What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Okay, let me finish, baby. That's dope. Um, you know, you, you look at Adam Silver. Uh, you know, he, Adam is a trailblazer. Uh, he ain't afraid to make a decision. He ain't afraid to get out in front of things. I wouldn't be shocked if that's the next thing coming soon. Yeah. I love it. Hopefully. Nice. All right, quick hitters, real quick. Uh, who should be our next guest on All the Smoke? Uh, next guest on all the smoke, Jay Z. Ooh, oh, nice. Artist, artist. We might need your help. Go ahead, man. We might need your. We might need your help if you got a line on him. We, we might need your yeah. help. Yeah, we, we appreciate that. We would love that. to get Jay Z on. <laughs> hey, I, I got a line. I got somebody with a line to him, but I think that would be great, man. I, yeah, that I, would I was be able dope. To chop it up with Jay Z about a month ago, a month and a half, two months ago now, uh, at, the, at his very fair party, and man. I always respected Jay-Z, but just his mindset, man, as a black man, a black billionaire, yo, Jay-Z for sure. I got the utmost respect for that man. Good call. Artist or song on repeat? Artist or song on repeat? Ooh, man, I got to go with Drake Tissy slide right now. Ah, everybody knows Drake. You got your TikTok down? Trying to get it down before I I put it on TikTok, man. That's going to be my debut, man. (laughs) Man, Drake Drake, Drake is a genius, man. He's definitely a genius. Genius. We didn't even touch on you guys' friendship. You guys have a crazy back and forth friendship, but that's for another time. Uh, What are you currently binge watching? I'm currently binge watching Ozark and, and All American. I'm binge watching both, both. of them. Both are uh, dope. My fiance went ahead and watched All American without me, so I'm catching up on that, and we watching Ozark together. They All American both dope. Is dope as fuck, right? All American is dope. Super dope. Yeah, yeah dope. Ozark, Super dope. Ozark is that shit. It, it starts a little slow and it loses some people. But I'm telling you, like get through the first handful of episodes. Once that shit get rolling, man, that yeah, shit is it's good. Yeah, it's super rolling. good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of season two, and that shit is rolling oh, yeah. now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just finished season three, like, last week. You're going to love it. Yeah, it's rolling. Yes, sir. You got it, Jack? I can't even see my screen. Oh. My thing in black Favorite quarantine snack? What do you, what do you, what, what's your quarantine snack? What's your go-to? My favorite quarantine snack, which I'm actually giving up today because they killing me, is hot Cheetos, man. I can't. <laughs> oh, wow. I can't get enough of them things. Bro, I wish I could eat them, bro. I'm getting the older I get. I got to get away from spicy foods, but that's one thing I hated giving away was spicy Cheetos, man. Man, oh, I love God. them, bro. And they're killing me, though, so I got, I'm got. i giving them up today, man. I'm having my last bag today. Ooh, <laughs> my last bag today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm hurt. 
Uh, before we get out of here, man, we obviously lost someone in our community. Condolences to Carl Anthony Towns' mom, who unfortunately passed away from COVID-19 yes. yesterday. Uh, very unfortunate. Yes. Our hearts and prayers go out to him and his family and, and his close ones. Um, crazy. And then obviously your sweatshirt, man. Rest in peace to our guy, Kobe and Gigi. Bang. And everyone else who was involved in that helicopter crash, man. It just shows, I think this quarantine has showed... Excuse me, this pandemic has showed and just 2020 is hard. I wish we could throw this motherfucking year away because it's been horrible. But it just shows, man, life is short and appreciate this shit. And I think this quarantine and, and being with your family is allowing people, like we said earlier, to step off that hamster wheel, man. Smell the roses. Look at the sunset. Enjoy the beauty and the essence of, uh, of this life we have because we've been showing it any time, man. Shit can change. Absolutely, yes, man. It definitely RIP to Cove and GG and uh, everyone else involved in that crash. Uh, I don't, I don't think I, none of us has recovered from that yet. Mm -mm. And then uh, my heart goes out to Carl Towns, man, as someone uh, who, you know, as a, as a basketball player, I think a lot of us has used basketball in our lives as an escape. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And so to not only lose his mother, but to not even have what's a natural escape for him available to him, man. My heart yeah, really going out to his family, mm -hmm. man, because it's, 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 it's a tough time, man. And Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, you figure, you look at it, that's two things that is dear, near and dear to his heart that's been taken away from him in the last month, man. So my mm -hmm. heart definitely goes out to him in this yeah, time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, well, fuck. That's a wrap. Great episode. Um, Jack, good job. Draymond, thank you for joining good us. Good job, man. Wayne. Thanks, DG. We appreciate you, man. That's a wrap. Special quarantine edition of appreciate All the Smoke it, with NBA champion and defensive player of the year, Draymond Green. Um, you can catch this on Showtime Basketball YouTube or all platforms streaming podcasts. All of them. Shout out, DG. Much love, brothers. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy you. Your day, bro. Thank you. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. This life was all I ever wanted. I'm not leaving. Not yet. I was hoping you'd say that. 
gotta hit the streets, make some money. People like us must destroy people like him. Buckle up. Get Showtime free at Showtime.com.